everybody. My name is Verka Sirdyuchka. Me English Nick Firstein. Let's speak then. Sieben, sieben, alulu. Sieben, sieben, eins, zwei. Sieben, sieben, alulu. Eins, zwei, drei. Hello there. You are listening to the Court of the Free Movie Podcast for Spy. My name is Tom Chick. And I am here to bring a spy discussion to you, the listener, with Christian Mantansky. It's Misty Inspiration. And with with our spy tagline, Carry On. Melissa McCartney puts pie back in espionage and the dir back in underscore. La, la. Can you put that music back on? I know, it's nice, isn't it? That's my tagline. Do you know what that is, by the way? It's German, isn't it? I believe, and I could be mistaken on this, it's the the show in Paris that she crashes with the guys in silver. Yeah. They're on the soundtrack, and I believe that's from the soundtrack. Who are they? They are Verka Serduchka. Oh. So they're not German. (laughs) I believe they're called Serafina, actually. Those are the only two words I know in German, Eins and Zwei. Yeah, uh, I was hoping. I was told they couldn't get Daft Punk for that scene. They couldn't get the chappy fuckwads. Oh, uh, D and Twerp, or no? What are those guys called? Uh, Just Twerp. <laughs> <laughs> what are those guys called? D and Toof. Dead Gummit. What are they called? Oh, um, them for the music for Chappy, it is D and Twerp. Yeah, it's a ninja, and what's the girl's name? Mom, mummy. You don't know. Oh, you no! Know, not what? Not what does Chappie call her? Alice the Goon. What's her stage name? Pinhead. Kelly Wand, you are terrible at uh, South African hip hop. <laughs> is that even hip hop? I don't even know what that's. Yeah, listen to us. Charlize. I was so tempted to go into another screen of Fury Road after leaving Spy. By the way, but Ugh. it was going to be forty minutes before it started. Um, hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right. Told- so, oh yes, Kelly Wand, go ahead. I had a backup tagline. Oh, right, you normally have a couple of them. Yeah, what else do you have for Spy, in case that first one doesn't pass, in case the focus groups don't like that first one? It's like a James Bond movie, but set in Europe. Line Spy! La, 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 All right, Kelly One, do you have an IMDb synopsis for us this week? Yeah, you have to name the movie to make it stop. Okay, so you read us the synopsis, Dingus and I, to make it stop, we'll name the movie that it is a synopsis of... Go. There's something for everyone. Oh, that's not it. Uh, 11-year-old Davy, whose mother is dead and whose father doesn't spend nearly enough time with him, period. So the boy loses himself in video games and even has an imaginary friend, a super resourceful secret agent. Cloak and Dagger? Yeah. Yeah, Cloak and Dagger, yeah. Oh, Dingus, I beat you on that one. I feel like like I shouldn't have because I know that movie is uh, near and dear to you. Mm-hmm. That's when Henry Thomas was the Melissa McCarthy of our generation. And Dabney Coleman was the... Jack Flack of our generation. Right. I don't even know who Jack Flack is. Where, is Dabney That's Coleman his still name alive? Of it. Oh, is he still alive? I, never, I miss him. I never see him anymore. He never calls. When is Quentin Tarantino going to revive movie. his career? A good He's in the Entourage movie as Vince's dad, I think. It's the only thing I've heard that makes... Oh, no, you know, I was going to say it's the only thing I've heard that makes me want to see Entourage, but actually I know from the trailer that Ronda Rousey, a female MMA fighter, 
is in Entourage. Uh, yeah, but she fights turtles. So I don't even. I, Dingus, I don't even know what you're saying. I have no idea. And what that, that doesn't is. make you want to see it. All I'm guessing is that you know turtles lost weight, so let's make a bunch of jokes about turtle losing weight. Again, uh, I have no idea yeah, what any yeah. of that means. I just want to see Ronda Rousey kick someone's ass, other than one of the chicks in Fast and Furious Seven. Right. No, she kisses his ass. What? No, there's a fight scene. There's turtle. clearly a fight scene. An entourage? Yeah, where she fights some dude, and it's not a turtle. She fights some dude in a cage match where he has to last 30 seconds. I think right. you're thinking of Jeremy Piven and the scenery. And if, and if he lasts longer than that, then she will bleep ding. him. No, not bleep, ding. Cause it's the, oh, the ding. Fire Sorry, ding him. Yeah, it's a very carefully edited trailer, Dingus. I don't want you to you know cast aspersions on, on it. It's, they're very clear about what sound effect they're going to use to cover up the F-bomb. Uh, it's thematic, see, because it's the ding of the the wrestler's bell or whatever they call that. There's a ding in that. There was a ding in that Man of Steel trailer where Lois Lane's all, "Oh, and your name's Super Ding." So she was gonna say Super Fuck. <laughs> Is that what you're trying to tell me? Because I, that does make sense. All right. Well, Kelly Wand, or no, Dingus, why don't you start us off by telling us a little bit about what we saw this week <laughs> without spoiling it for people who maybe haven't seen it but intend to see it. All right. Well, this week we saw Spy. Ding! <laughs> a 2015 American action comedy movie about a smooth operator. It was written and directed by Paul Feig. Ding! It stars Melissa McCarthy, Jason Brr. Statham, uh-huh. Peter Serafinowitz. What? I love that guy so much. Peter Serafinowitz, uh, Miranda Hart. Uh, Marina Bakarin and Allison Janney. Uh, Spy is rated R for language throughout Ding. violence and some sexual content, including brief graphic nudity. I'll say three instances of it. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, ding, ding, dong. All three instances. <laughs> uh, Spy opened at number one, uh, made $30 million. Uh, on Metacritic, which is the average rating from various reviews, it is at 75. Now, on Rotten Tomatoes, the percentage of reviews for Spy that are positive, 95%. Wow, 95. Dang, what's up, dog? I know, a lot of people apparently... Just short of Fury Road. ...gave it a pass. Like, said... Not not gave it a pass, like, it passed... It passed muster for a lot of people. They gave, gave it a thumbs it a up. Pass. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, they're letting it cheat on them. Uh, they so, gave it a strike. No, a bowling strike. Not uh, a baseball strike. Nothing but net, Kelly Wand. <laughs> Kelly Wand, why don't you tell us the events in Spy with uh, an accounting of the plot, maybe a, a synopsis. A, a, a debriefing? A, de- a debriefing, yeah. Debrief us on the plot of Spy. Wait, just real quick. What did Entourage, how did Entourage do Entourage is tanking. Yeah, nobody's interested in seeing a uh, an Entourage <laughs> movie. Uh, yeah. Who in the world is going to go to that? I mean, I liked watching the show, but who in the world is going to go to the movie? Well, maybe Ronda Rousey fans. Entourage. Just can't believe it. All right, uh, what were you asking for? A synopsis? Yeah, a synopsis of the movie Spy. I don't know if you would have a clever name for it. There's not a lot you can do with that, Kelly Wand. Uh, but what would you call such a thing? Spopsis. Rock and roll. Oh, um, IMDb mailed me this one. Oh, good. That's nice of them. So they wrote it. They, the IMDb. Sure. The four letters combined. 
Spop says, Jew Law is a spy for the British division of the US CIA. He hates glass, <laughs> thinks Baccarat is a wine, so he needs a tech support lady with a headset, TV's McConaughey, and some bats to tell him when he's being attacked. His job is to sneak through kitchens looking for bombs. She fires his gardener by making out with him and helping him mow the grass. To celebrate that, the bad guys didn't have extra boats. June takes her to dinner and proposes marriage. She eats a towel and wears a cupcake. Jube forgets Rosie Bryan is in a kitchen with him, but later he turns out to have been a grapefruit. There's a funeral held at the CIA's board meeting with the mom from Lost. The mom makes Melissa McCready an agent because on video her stunt double killed some mannequins. So far, Kelly Wand, I just want to say, aside from some typos, this IMDb synopsis is entirely accurate. Like, nothing that the IMDb has written so far didn't actually happen. Yeah, that's true. It's like it's like they wrote the script for the movie. Right. Who's who's the mom from Lost? Oh, is that Alison Janney? Yeah, Dingus, yeah. don't 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 even bother. Just Lost is gone. Anytime you hear a Lost reference, just sort of nod and politely smile. I do love the phrase "Lost is gone." Thank lost God. is lost to us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there was only, I think it was only one episode, if I'm not mistaken, right, Kelly Wand? Where Allison Janney played, played the mother to, uh... Yeah. Uh, to, uh, my only face... she could have played that role. She played the mother to My Face is My Warrant. What's his name, Dingus? Titus Welliver. Yeah. And who is the, the other, the abusive husband from Dexter, Kelly Wand? What's his name? Johnston? Dwayne Johnston? Shoot. The blonde dude? I want to like, Mark Pellington. Or Mark Pellingham. That, uh, that episode really explained a lot it, it was supposed to be like okay this is what's really going on like that yeah. episode and I remember it was, what, yeah and yeah. It, it was alice and janney is the mother of these two like cain and abel type brothers and they go all right there's a waterfall by the way that oh, does yeah, that's something right 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 exactly i forgot about that whole thing yeah she's been in scenes with so many people she works a lot dingus i want to say After also loss. uh there, there's a, a, a not very good Lynn Shelton movie called Touchy Feely, but it's absolutely worth watching uh, just because of Alice and Janney playing a massage therapist. She's amazing in this movie. Um, and Wait, was, Lynn Shelton, the other sister? Your sister's sister and Hump Day. Yeah, she's done a couple of not very good movies lately, including Touchy Feely and Laggies with Kira Knightley and um, Sam Rockwell. Uh, but Touchy Feely, I don't think is very good, but it has an amazing Alice and Janney performance in it. Yeah, well, I want to check those out because I don't know if I trust your opinion. No, no, absolutely check them out. I mean, we want to support Lynn Shelton, whatever she wants to do. I think she right. should continue to do, but I just don't think the last two movies she made worked very well. I really liked her work on uh, when she directed Bull Durham. It's good, a Tim Shelton reference. Yeah. But remember her in Margaret. Yeah. Who did she play? Uh, the mom. <laughs> oh, you're talking about Allison Janney. I thought you were yeah. Ben Shelton. Yeah, yeah. No, of course I remember that. Yeah, yeah. That that movie really threw her under a bus, though. Oh, oh my Tom. god. Oh, too soon. <laughs> Excellent. All right, so carry uh, on. I'm sorry. Sorry for the Allison Janney uh, detour. Carry on. Shout out. The British man from Crank does not like fat people getting guns. <laughs> He waits in her hotel room in Russia to tell her his arm's missing, and another man walks into a door in the hallway because it's closed. The rats don't like June's goodbye cake, only freckled boobs in the hotel sign. 
The gadget man gives her stool softener for her broken toenail and also a whistle that makes dart sounds. A brunette lady gives Crank a backpack like his, but with a bomb in it, also like his. is <laughs> good. Writing. Some German singers with tinfoil hats get scared when the French Ocean blows up, but luckily... The McCartney is given a wig disguise that gets her ass to leave a casino. Crank gets caught laughing too loudly. They forget to fight, but McCrawley calls another British woman at the U.S. power company to black out France so Crank can kick them in the dark and run away, which was his plan. <laughs> a man from Silicon Valley hits on Rosie Burns but has a sore throat, so Rosie takes McNutty on a plane to Europe. But in the air, a man with a name loses his gun to a hole, and some other man poos on Rosie's neck while McCheese crashes the plane. Some Italian men driving admire McCracken's wig, but another one also does and drives her while music. Rosie's blonde man dies after McAfee makes him upset near a door. A Popeye's chicken man does not return her advances. She rents two motorcycles in cement, but is not shot, although a brunette colleague who is evil is less lucky while apologizing. Another brunette colleague gets a knife stuck in her hand, so McDonnelly gives her a frying pan. People make fun of each other's clothes, and Rosie's mom was a clown, so McLovin changes wigs again while another British friend, a girl one, surprises her on a sidewalk. Julon is alive, but brainwashed, but only faking it so he can be ready to stand by during a shootout scheduled in a garage. The horny Italian limo driver now lives in the dungeon and helps McLissa's ropes to untie. She puts on a wig this time and gun and goes to also meet the characters in the garage where ice cubes and suitcase and bomb are being refunded. Everyone falls in the water in slow motion, along with the ice cubes, losing them in the progress. The lost mom promises McDamia to full secretary and tells her she has to wear a different wig, and Crank takes a boat to Europe where McCharacter's in a bed with his thumb. Some blitz music plays and reminds us what will happen in other movies, maybe. The case is solved, featuring a cast. The end. Man, I didn't know IMDb's really uh, stepping up their synopses. Very nice. I wouldn't say that. The cast from Entourage also wrote that, by the way. Because they didn't have much else to do this week. Yeah. They don't have anything to do when uh, there's not an Entourage movie right. being produced. Anyway. Yeah, so whose idea was it that we see this? Why didn't we no see way! Uh, Crazy. In- Insidious 3? Uh, I suggested Poltergeist. And was ridiculed. Well, Poltergeist opened a few weeks ago. Poltergeist is over, like Lost, Kelly Wand. Wait, I liked Spy. You did? Okay. You're one of the, so you're one of the 95% of yeah, the viewers yeah. that would give this. All right, Dingus, would you be in the 5% or the 95%? I'm with Kelly. I'm, oh, good. I'm okay, good. Well, firmly yeah. with Kelly. Yeah, I, I, I was. I was thing. afraid we were just going to sit here and talk about how awful this was for, for an No, hour. no, okay. I, I, I freaking loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with Dingus. I thought it was weird. I thought it was a bunch of actors goofing off. I thought it was pleasantly violent. There's no moral. The ending's a shambles, and I laughed uh, a lot. Well, periodically. Right. So I really liked it. And I didn't like how identity... Go ahead, Kelly. 
just my last point is like I didn't like how Identity Thief and Tammy tried to get me to feel kind of pity for the Melissa McCarthy character, and this movie doesn't waste any time on that. It just sends a bunch of freaky shit and just kind of fizzes along from one non sequitur to the next. No, because I think this movie has a lot of. Um, this is almost a genre. Uh, the dump on Melissa McCarthy genre. There was a lot of that in this movie, especially early yeah, on. Well, yeah, but she rises above it, and she kind of just tunes it well, she out. she does in all the movies, doesn't she? I mean, isn't that kind yeah. of the, the yeah, genre is gets... everybody dumps on her, and then in the end, there's some redemptive thing where she pulls through? No, she dumps back, and she kills a lot of people, like, even early on. Like, she's a very competent spy for the entire movie, and she <laughs> saves Jason Statham repeatedly. Again, that was another problem I had with it, is it didn't seem consistent. Were we watching inept Melissa McCarthy who can't drive a scooter or were we watching super badass Melissa McCarthy who can fight a room full of dudes she just fell in the cement but she didn't she she it's like when you fall in quake and you're like okay I'll just work that in and then you just turn your fall into a rocket jump but you didn't see that as an inconsistency like you thought that consistently Mm -hmm. she was like the super competent badass spy no definitely not because I, I, I thought it was a little confused in that regard. Are we watching a movie about an inept spy, or are we watching a movie about an unlikely badass spy? It is and confused. I, I a movie, movie. About, a, about, a, about a spy learning to become a spy. Yeah, and all mean, the characters. I mean, it, it's, it's not either of those things. It's not her. It's not a movie about an incompetent spy or, or the other thing you said. It's, it's a movie about a, a, a spy learning to it's it's an origin story basically it's i would go with you and I you would go with you on that thing if the, we didn't... the credits i mean it's an origin story about her learning to become a competent spy right i would and go with thing you on with that her no. jumping over that thing and landing in the cement is her learning oh crap just as when she first takes the thing and she's like oh my god who would put a roof on this you know, on a scooter you idiot right i'm talking about the scooter that fell over the first time that she tries to get on a scooter and whoops it tumps over she doesn't have training wheels i don't know why she can't drive a scooter it's but that big. contrasted to you say dingus it's an origin story but we clearly see in the training video even before the movie begins she's supposed to be a super badass competent fighter spy takedown warrior chick yeah, but that was ten years earlier. So and she's relearning she's to be been a spy. in a basement for ten years. I see. And so her skills have atrophied. Yeah. Oh. Well, because Jude Law, she's they, be, she's learning to be that super spy that she could have been because she's Law, relegated to the basement. Yeah, because he she was in love with Jude Law and he talked her into that, which also kind of doesn't make sense because at the end he respects her after all. Well, it's also said that he's done that before and, and that agents have done that before. And that's right. I think, sort of this idea of... Uh, sniped know. him. Sniped her. That's what Elsa Yeah, sniped her. Very good. Yeah, yeah. But also, too, Tom, like none of the none of the characters are very consistent. Like, it's a little unclear if Jason right. Statham is full of shit or not. And Rose Byrne is supposed to be a badass assassin. Exactly. But then she's kind of a fuck up. And... I just think that that's it's just that kind of movie. Like well, if that... it's just that it's, excuse me, what's going on here is it just the the only priority in this movie is to do whatever it takes to get a laugh at any given moment. Yeah, which I like. I'm all for that. Like it's it doesn't give a shit. And I, I would like I, that it, if I thought it was funny. Like I thought so, so much of the humor in this was just really lowbrow and obvious. Um, and well, give, give us some examples of that. Oh, uh, Pink Eye, um, Thunder Cunt. Um, I look like I'm wearing a dress that makes me, you know, my dress makes me look like a, a pumpkin. Um, I look like Santa Claus's wife. Um, <laughs> that part made me laugh. I mean, yeah, well. You didn't like a slutty dolphin trader? 
that's a, that that kind See? of humor. By the way, let's let's have something. Let's call attention to something in the movie that, that is fine as a visual gag, but we're gonna we're gonna announce that it's a gag. Like that, right. that's that's when I, when I say sort of like obvious humor. Uh, let, you this... know, we, they don't have to point out that she looks like Santa Claus's wife. We know that we're sitting here looking at her. So you wanted a more, you wanted a bank shot for that line more. Oh, I just wanted something that I thought, I mean, like I'm saying, I'm just being descriptive. To me, all of the humor, most of the humor was just very lowbrow and very obvious. And mm, I, I thought, I thought so the jokes Wong, were really like, when, weird. When you say it's inconsistent, and I, I would normally be okay with that if I thought the humor worked, but it, it, if your priority is going to be to always make something funny and damn the consistency among the characters, I think you need to be funny. And for me personally... I didn't think it was funny. So well, and then that's why kind of debating a com like a podcast about a comedy is kind of a zero sum game because like well, all, like Dingus and I laughed and you didn't, and none of us is wrong. Like a comedy either works for you, or it doesn't. And I'm Everybody just, right, exactly. And I'm just explaining why the I have a problem with the, the inconsistency amongst the characters. I'm okay with a movie that is just going for laughs and the, the, there's no consistency amongst the characters. Um, I don't. I, what's I, that thing? What's I, I that don't thing? understand what you mean by consistency among the characters. Kelly Wan just called out a bunch of the issues. You know, is Rose Byrne a badass assassin? Does Jason Statham really do these things that he says, or does he walk into a room and get his coat caught? And they did that joke twice, by the way, and get his coat caught on a door. Um, is uh, uh, okay. Yeah, not for him. So things right, like I that. Get it. It, yeah. But mainly with her. Like I didn't know if I was watching again a movie about let's dump on Melissa McCarthy, or a movie about hey she's really a badass spy. Um, and she's just, you, you know, is she is she an Inspector Clouseau, or is she an, an actual James Bond? Well, uh, you know, I think that those are two different issues. I think that if if you guys want to talk about whether or not there's consistency in the character arcs, uh, that's something that we can talk about. But um, and I'm happy to talk about those things. I I don't I don't think that's a problem with this movie. But I don't think this is a dump on Melissa McCarthy movie. I think this is this movie. Kind of goes on goes along a different, um, I don't know, a different tangent as far as what she is a what she is allowed to do and what she is getting to do and 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 the way she is allowed to blossom as a character in this and that's why I call it an origin story for her because I don't think it's 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 a dump on Melissa McCarthy story at all I, th- I think that early on it's it's more I mean it calls to mind. And this is probably not something that either of you have seen. You, you guys have, probably haven't seen uh, the the television show Criminal Minds. Um, <laughs> am I right about that? I, I don't I even know what it, it is. Yeah. Right. Well, there's a there's a great character in that who is constantly in the ear of everybody in that show, and um, and she's she's this great she's a great little character actor in that, and that's what this reminds me of. I mean, it reminds me much more of that than anything else. Um, and then I I just see her blossoming throughout this movie rather than being that normal. Uh, either she's constantly grabbing her crotch kind of movie, or that dump on Melissa McCarthy movie. I think it's I think it's a real origin story, and I really like it for that reason. It's also violent as fuck, Tom. That's another thing that I liked about it. It's like an R-rated spy movie. And it's R-rated not just for the violence, but to do a bunch of stupid, like, gross-out humor, too. Like, there's... Right, but they take advantage of for instance. Yeah, Yeah, but there's, like... Like, a guy gets his throat dissolved. Um, 
<laughs> it's such a weird thing to have in the movie. Sure, and nice there's a lot of those kind of jokes. Right, right. Yeah, and it's just like, I don't know. I kind of like that just shoot the works kind of randomness. Like, it, I thought it had like a just a nice vibe throughout. Like, it wasn't really even parodying spy movies. It was just kind of its own thing. It wasn't parodying spy movies, really. <laughs> Off and on. But it wasn't, put it this way, like, right. that's not a parody from a spy movie per se, like a throat dissolving or a knife through the hand. Like, that's not from a particular thing. That's not like an Austin Powers joke. Um. Okay, fair enough. It, it's not a straight-up parody, but I think it's definitely parodying spy movies. I mean, it's definitely what it's doing with Jude Law, uh, with Alice and Janney. I mean, it's definitely trying to be a send-up of a genre, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, but it, that's all taking a backseat to just improvisation on the, all the act. Like, they're all just kind of just riffing on shit, arbitrarily. Mm-hmm. Um, well, which... I, I, certainly, I certainly think it is parodying spy movies, but it's it's also doing... I think what uh, what Paul Fink does in Bridesmaids in that he introduces a lot of the grossness just to be just because of that, I guess, is what's interesting to him. So the throat dissolving and that like that crotches on people's faces and all that kind of crap is very much in that part of Bridesmaids. Um I so, think she's, but I, but I definitely think he's messing with spy movies. I mean, that, that's really what he's. Yeah, but only you say, though, hey, let's make a Melissa McCarthy spy movie parody where she's a spy. Like that's the elevator pitch, mm-hmm. and so they just go, all right, let's see what happens. Just roll, roll cameras and hope for the best. And so by that standard, it, I think there's a lot of it. It turned out a lot funnier than it, than it should have been based on just how, you know. But it's it's also so like it's what if. What I what I love about this is this is and this kind of grafts onto what I loved about um, Money Penny in Skyfall is that that was her origin story and then somehow she winds up being the secretary um, and this is this woman who left a teaching career to go into the CIA it turned out she had a real affinity for this work but they threw her in the basement and what could have been and how she became an agent and it's this weird sort of amalgam of melissa mccarthy and money penny and becoming this awesome super agent in a moment that i think they totally justify in this movie in this very silly well she they know all of you guys so we're going to send you into the field um and i kind of really like that this weird sort of Venn diagram that develops around those things. And Tom, something else I'm surprised, like I would have thought you would have liked about it is that there's a lot of women in this movie. Like it's women on women comedy for the most part. Like the villain's a woman, like her sidekicks, like it's just all chicks. It's like bridesmaids recast, but with like, they're all spies. I think the, the crucial place where a chick seems to be missing from this, uh, this actually makes me want to flip, on its head, what Christopher Hitchens once said about how women aren't funny. Uh, Paul Fage, Dingus, how do we say his name? I just say Paul Fage. He said women aren't funny? Christopher Hitchens said that? What? I, I don't know that he said that, did he? Sorry. Uh, yeah, so Christopher Hitchens once famously said that women aren't funny, oh, um, okay. which I, I think <laughs> is, is absolute malarkey and he was called out rightfully for that but i think what's going on here uh is that men aren't funny so paul fage 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 whatever his name is uh, he directed 
Bridesmaids and the Heat, both of which I loved. He also directed this, which I didn't love and didn't think was funny. And I think what might be missing, uh, Paul Fage, 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 whatever, wrote this. Whereas Annie Mumolo wrote Bridesmaids, Katie Dippold wrote The Heat. Um, I'm wondering if maybe we need women to write women women's comedy scripts, because Paul Fage, I thought, here, clearly couldn't do it. And yeah, Kelly Wanda Wright, there were a lot of female characters, um, I, and I did appreciate what they were trying to do with this triangle with uh, Miranda Hart, Melissa McCarthy, and Rose Byrne, um, but it just, you know, I, I appreciate what they were trying to do, but I didn't think it worked very well. I think what you just said is as dumb as what Christopher Hitchens said. I, like, I you're agree. saying, you're, only you're saying women that women have to write these scripts. Right. Agree. That's right. idiotic. I'm being, I'm being facetious uh, in that the, okay. the, thing that's, the thing that's a problem here is we had Katie Dippold, a very funny writer, writing The Heat. We had Annie Mumolo, a very funny writer, writing Bridesmaids. The reason that the same director from those two movies, what's different this time is he's working from his own script. And I'm, I'm wondering, is Paul Fage just not that funny a writer? Oh, okay, I see. Uh, Wait, there's, a, there's a series on Yahoo, by the way, called Other Space that he uh, created, uh, which also I think is painfully unfunny. Um, so I'm wondering if there's something going on here that Paul Fig just isn't funny. He's a, he's a fine director working with someone else's script, but when he decides to write his own movie and do this, and you're right, Kelly Wanya, there's a lot of women characters, that's great, but I just felt like he couldn't make it very he couldn't He couldn't make it work. I don't remember you loving the heat. You told me not to see the heat. I thought. Um, no, no, Tom was I a huge have, champion yeah. of the heat. Yeah, really? Because we didn't podcast. What's missing, by the way, uh, from you know, the heat isn't a dump on Melissa McCarthy movie, they, because the heat will equally dump on Sandra Bullock. And, and as a matter right. of fact, there are times in the heat when Sandra Bullock is the the comedic character. Uh, you know, I love how in the heat there, there's so much. It, it, the heat is a buddy comedy, so it's a little unfair to compare this. But the, that sort of sweet and sour of having Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock together was hugely instrumental to making the heat work. Um, and and, and I, I felt like there wasn't anything like that here. Rose Byrne was fine, I guess. Uh, and I think they were trying I, to do some funny stuff with her. I thought the heat kind of got too serious in parts. Um, and there's like some actual drama and action in that movie. And I think in this, it's just kind of like, it's just goofy and wacky the whole way through. I think by the end, maybe we're supposed to care about the helicopter, the diamonds falling out, which troubles me a little bit. But, you know. I don't think so. I don't think we're supposed to care about that. I think that's more goofiness. I mean, I think this is uh, shot through with goofiness. It seems weird that there, like, there's uh, a and str- I, I, I don't use that as an excuse, by the way. I, I, think, it, I think it succeeds in all, on all of those counts. Right, right. Um, and I understand that it, that it doesn't work for for Tom but uh, but I don't I don't think that it, I don't think it's trying to be emotional in any way in that point. I think I was a little disappointed in the ending because there was a shockingly high survivor count. Like well, and plus Kelly Wan, do you hate any sort of redemptive ending? I mean it's trying to like any studio yeah. comedy it's going to sort of ennoble its characters by the time it's over and uh you probably hate that. Well, right, but then it kind of try to like blossom a franchise. I mean they're they're always hopeful at that. Yeah, I don't know. That, I'm kind of against that in general. Like, because the implicate, like, just make the best movie first, and then see if it's worthy of. It seems like every movie they plan is like a franchise now. Let, let's talk about some of the supporting cast because I know, uh, you know, in bringing up the Heat and uh, and certainly Bridesmaids is an ensemble comedy. Um, the Heat is a buddy comedy. This, they're you know, they're they're doing a lot of crazy stuff with the supporting cast. Um, 
So uh, you guys, because I, I didn't think really anybody worked. I was really, Jason Statham was occasionally funny, but for the most part, there was nobody in this that I really cared for. But I'm guessing you guys, some people stood out for you. So I want to hear what you guys thought of the supporting cast. And Dingus, who stood out for you, by the way, besides Melissa uh, McCarthy? Are you saying that Jason Statham didn't work for you? He was okay. He was okay. Like I, I think Jason Statham is is a big goofball anyway. So when he's trying to be a goofball, I'm like, you know what? That's what you are in all other movies. Like, I, I kind of he's like, never made me laugh before. But in, in the London, past, you said something interesting about him. I can't remember what it is, but you characterized him in a certain way that I really, really liked, and London. I can't quite put my mind on it, Tom. Was it about him but, having two expressions? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so he has two expressions. That. One is, I'm going to kick your ass, and the other is, I've just kicked your ass. And the only difference between the two expressions is uh, the other one, his jaw is a little slacker. <laughs> that is yeah, but Dredd has only one expression, yeah. but that's all he needs. <laughs> and I love that. I love that. I love that characterization so much, just as much as I love the way and you, you guys will have to search this because I'm not going to do it for you. But the way Kevin Pollack found his way of doing the Jason Statham, um, his Jason Statham uh, impression. And and what he did was he just said, I'm going to choose six words that Jason, Jason Statham says. So so w- when you say that, that uh, Jason Statham has two uh, expressions, and it, and it just makes me think of um, uh, the the mechanic movie right. where I couldn't stand him, and I loved um, Ben Foster so much more, um, and how much I I really loved Jason Statham in this because I thought uh-huh. he was making fun of exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, you guys do need to see London. I mean, that's Jason Statham. Uh, it's okay, well, no one has to told the, you about London. You need to see the rest of London. Yeah, you have to uh, actually watch the whole thing. I, I'm mainly curious what you guys thought of Miranda Hart. I I don't know her. What what else do we know her from? We don't. We don't. I mean, I, I'm assuming just from looking at her credits, she seems like she's from uh, British TV. Uh, I yeah, I assumed she was some comedian or something. I, I liked her a great deal. She's a very str- it's a very weird role because she keeps showing up as a Deus Ex Machina a few times, and it seems weird that like she's like is she going to be a spy too, or is she does she have the same story arc as Melissa McCarthy where she would be because they put her in the field also, so it seems it's almost like wait. It's the exact same thing that most McCarthy's doing. Well, it's sort of like it, like somebody thought this is you know the the role is kind of like her sidekick slash handler slash best friend. Uh, and when your lead actress is Melissa McCarthy, who do you cast in that role? Right. Uh, and I thought it was an interesting choice. Um, a very sort of horsey faced British woman. Um, yeah. uh, I'm not sure. But then she shows up physically. Like now, who's who's the phone? Who's Melissa McCarthy's operative on the on the phone well, side. Well, that's why I'm saying she becomes like a sidekick as well. Right. Like she well, becomes... it's not just that she becomes the Melissa McCarthy. And that dingus, I would say, sort of goes to my point: is Melissa McCarthy the the heroine or the joke? Um, and I don't, I don't know. I don't think the movie she's does. Both. I don't... Yeah, I guess so. No, no, uh, no. I don't. I think she's the heroine, and well, we're we're supposed to realize. Oh, you that... mean the sniper rifle scene from the helicopter? Is that what you mean? Where then she becomes a Melissa McCarthy? I'm sorry, I cut you off, but that's okay. No, I I mean her throughout. It's that. How do I say this? Um, usually, the Melissa McCarthy role is this person who comes in to fumble around, and they 
and it's it might be a fat person, I might be a a, gang, a, long, a tall, gangly person, or whatever, right. and and so they have the hero of the movie be Melissa McCarthy, and then they have this other person be um, the tall, gangly person, and they're both the heroes of the movie. Um, and I, I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. It's just oh, go ahead, sorry, Kelly Wand. Well, it's just weird. Like the whole movie's weird, like that. Like there's bats and rats at the CIA in the opening sequence, and no one kind of cares. Like it's just, it's okay, that I'm kind gonna, of a movie. I'm, give you well, I'm not oh. going to excuse it for weirdness. I mean, I, 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 no, I, I accept it. what you're right saying, here. Kelly, but but I think it's actually a little bit subversive in a way. Uh, but anyway, what were you going to say, Tom? Okay, I'm going to give you guys three lines, and then from the movie, and you guys have to tell me whether they're funny or not funny. Can can we do this game? Yeah, I okay, like it. Here we go. Shits Carlton. Kelly Wand, funny or not funny? Uh, it's all right. Nope, not funny. Kelly Wand, you oh, lose a point. Okay. Damn it. Dingus, there's a mouse on my tits. <laughs> that would be either I, I, one of them. That, and the, and Dingus, that. funny or not funny? Yeah, uh, well, I laughed, so yeah. Funny. I did too. Okay, Kelly, Dingus, you get a point. And by what? the way, Dingus, did you know who that was? Uh, no, who was that girl? Uh, she's an actress. She's also in The Heat named Jessica Chafin. Uh, and she is on a podcast that I really love called Rhonda and Be- Rhonda and Beverly. Uh, oh. Where her and an actress named Jamie Dimbo play these uh, like 50-something Jewish Bostonian women. Um, oh, I have she, no idea. Which one is that? Uh, she is Rhonda. Um, ah! Very chesty woman. Yeah. Uh, so when See? she gets the joke, there's a mouse on my tits, it really means something. All right, Rhonda. Kelly Wand. Oh, Rhonda. Kelly Wand, you could tie this right now, because this one is for double points. Kelly Wand, is it funny or not funny? This line. Here we go. If I'm not out in ten minutes, I've won the place. Uh, it's not funny. Wrong, Kelly Wand. It's the funniest line in the movie. I loved that moment, and I wish Melissa McCarthy had been like that throughout the movie. I loved the bit where she gets in that black dress, and she puts on that black dress, she does her hair... She walks up to those bouncers. She rubs the guy's head, says, I'm doing this for luck, and then makes a joke about it being oily. And then yeah. she says, an oily scale. Oily scale. And then she says, boys, if I'm not out in 10 minutes, I've won the place. Like that, at that moment, she was like this Greta Garbo, super cool, sexy, competent chick. And if she had been that way throughout the movie, I think I would have been on board with it. I loved that moment. So, Kelly, Wait, I'm sorry you were beat by Dingus in the funny or not funny game. Well, Dingus is funnier than me, but like you should have done that whole line. The oily scalps part of that line. But isn't no, no. she learning that? Isn't she learning the trade at that point? But then later I mean, she's, she's going to be She doesn't unable, know right, what right. dress to buy. She doesn't know. Uh, I what see. Dingus, to buy. I disagree because I think that dress is objectively awesome. And when Rose Byrne is saying it's an aberration of a dress, I think that's that's a that's a joke that makes no sense. It's a beautiful dress. It looks great on her. And for Rose Byrne to make at least two jokes about how awful the dress looks. Oh, okay, makes yeah, no you're sense. right. Yeah. But that's how Rose Byrne's – she's like that the whole movie. No, well, well, she is – I mean uh, her calling it an abortion of, the, of a dress is, is really her trying to uh, to push uh, Melissa McCarthy's character down. I mean you're right about that. But I did love just when she was – you know, just that line about boys, if I haven't, if I haven't been – if I'm not in 10 minutes, I won the place. Like, I, I just <laughs> loved that, and I loved her intonation. Yeah, it was like a Mae West. Yeah, Mae West. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, thank yeah. you, Kelly Wand. It was beautiful. Yeah, Shay. Uh, where was this shot? This movie. 
Would is this say? another part of your? Uh, is this part of the contest? So no, 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 no. So the contest is over. Dingus wins this Who week's said trophy. That? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good work, Dingus. Congratulations, Dingus. Thanks. I'm assuming it was shot in Europe. Just because. Oh, where was this shot? Yeah, I but thought I... you said where was the shot. Oh Maybe. no, no, no! It was. It was as far as shooting on location. I think Paul Feig did a terrible job. Like they actually <laughs> went to to France to Rome. They're all over in Hungary. Uh, but so I many of the shots looked to me like they were shot in Burbank. Uh, that's funny, though, if that's true. That's okay. that at all. What are you talking about? Where? What? Cheaper is funny, Tom. You know this. I, I told so. you this before. But also, like, the editing is, is shot in such a way, like, it kind of doesn't matter. Like, it, they just keep right. going from one gag to the next. Like, that bomb thing, it just kind of ends, and, like, ten seconds later, she's already on a plane somewhere else. Like, wait, what? Right, well, let's, let's talk about some of the other uh, the other extra characters. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I really, really liked Peter Serafinowicz. Sure. Oh, you know what? Dingus see the, there. He's certainly a bright point in the movie. The Italian me. guy. Yeah. Yeah. I love that guy sure, so it's... much, and it's such a pleasure for me to see him crop up anywhere. Um, because he he was in Guardians of the Galaxy, because he was in. Um, Parks and Recreation uh, at the same time that Chris Pratt was shooting Guardians of the Galaxy in London. And and that's one of the reasons why those two things happen together. And I really – I love seeing that guy have such a huge part in this. And he's got his own show, I, I which I didn't even know about. I haven't even seen any of it. Um, I think he's been around for a while, Ding. It's, I mean, we, we yeah, we've seen him recently in, in a couple of high-profile things. But I think Peter Serafinowicz is, a, is a, quite a figure in Britain. Like, I think he's definitely a – kind of celebrity over there but yeah Boy, it's great I, seeing him pop up i've never seen him in anything other than the things that i just referenced or at least i don't recognize him from those things and i i love him in this i Dingus, think he's he, hilarious he might have i could be mistaken about this he might have like a talk show like i think he might be a kind of david letterman figure in in oh, what? okay if i'm not mistaken i could be wrong about that i i just assumed when i saw that he had his own show that it was more of an alan partridge kind of a thing you you might be right. You know what? You might be right. But but I, is it called something like the Peter Serafinowicz show? It might have been, but I don't now. Now that I think okay. about it, I don't quite well, I then know. I might be also just making assumptions about it. But yeah, at any rate, I agree with you. He was a bright spot in this. I loved seeing him show up. Um, the, you know who? Which character didn't work for me? I didn't understand him. Was the the win win guy? The Bobby Bobby Cannavale. What were they doing with him? Just I don't just, know. Uh, was he supposed was to be weird. a straight yeah. villain? I didn't quite get that. Yeah, it was definitely odd. He's the MacGuffin. I thought they gave him a couple, and this again was about just the humor didn't work. You know, they gave him a couple like funny lines that, that were supposed to be funny at the little scene in the end, um, mm. in the in front of that that uh, what was that? Not a Rolls Royce, whatever that really nice car was, Ronaldo. Um, oh yeah, he gave the line about uh, you know uh, see Phantom if you haven't already. You know that they gave him a yeah. of those kind of cracks, and I was like, oh well, okay, that's what you're gonna do with Bobby Cannavale. Okay. Yeah, right. he's evil. Uh, overs and unders, then. What do you got? So I'll just go real quick. Uh, again, the heat, uh, as far as what to do with Melissa McCarthy, that that, that can be a difficult uh, question in a lot of movies. The heat, I thought, did a great job with her. Certainly Bridesmaids is great, but but in the heat, she's featured so much more prominently. I feel like the heat had a, a, did a, knew much better what to do with Melissa McCarthy. Uh, as far as the dump on Melissa McCarthy genre, uh, Identity Thief was a movie that would be under for me because it was a lot less certain about what to do with her. Uh, and having her with Jason Bateman as a straight man, you know, it had some moments, but I think that was actually, I, I liked that even less than this, probably. Uh, what do you guys got for overs and unders? My overs, MacGruber. 
What do you think of that, Dingus? Uh, that was going to be my under, but I decided to go with something else. Oh, he's griefing us, Kelly Wand. Can you believe it? Um, my under is This Means War, which a movie <laughs> close to my heart because it was the one we all saw together right before I moved to Canada. And you but didn't like... like it? Oh, no, but you did like this. Okay, so you didn't like it as much as this. Okay. Why, and why are you comparing it? Because of Spies? Yeah, it was. Okay. It thought like the, this movie was what This Means War thought it was and wanted to be. Like it thought it was like a breezy comedy. Like, oh, see, spies are funny, but like, I didn't. It was one of those movies where I didn't get the jokes. And in this one, I gotta be honest, I didn't actually get every joke in this movie, but they were all weird, wacky jokes. And this means war. It was like, I understand why she's dancing to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. <laughs> That doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> yeah, that's an obscure poll, Kelly Wand. All right. <laughs> I always think about that scene first. Is like, what? Why? Why is this happening? Why does he want her? Why is Reese Witherspoon a femme fatale or something? Whatever she's supposed to be. I want to murder that movie. That movie means murder. So those are my over and unders, Tom. Who directed that? Fucking McGee, your favorite. Oh my gosh! Wow, that's right. <laughs> Comedy genius McGee, McGenius, favorite director of the Charlie's Angels movies, and uh, he's the less good Mook spy related Mook comedy. Who's the better Mook? McCarthy. Oh, oh, and McGruber. <laughs> ah, McGruber, right, right. Boom, two Boom. Mooks, two Mook spies. Right, so the thing is, you were gonna go with McGruber as your under. What did you pick instead? I picked something that is not in the, is not comic at all. But it constantly I, when they were doing that whole thing, and, and the the uh, um, when I was talking about Criminal Minds, there's this actress named Kirsten Vangness, um, who is this who has the same sort of comic energy that Melissa McCarthy has. She's just great in that show, and she has this great sort of uh, flirty energy that um, that they're going for in this movie, and then. then they push forward, except in the in the series, uh, this this character Kirst- that Kirsten Bangness plays uh, just carries throughout the series. So when I was thinking about that, I went in a totally different direction because I just started thinking about um, movies with somebody in your ear. <laughs> so for the under, I'm going for something called Eye of the Beholder, um, which is what? something that. Tom made me watch, and which is a movie I really love. Uh, so this is very this uh, bracketed very closely. Uh, it's in uh, it's a, a movie that has Ashley Judd and Ewan McGregor in it, and the uh, the woman in the ear is Katie Lang, and um, with all and of the cats. Remember the cats' fingers? Oh yeah, yeah, with all of the cats. Yeah, there's a yeah. So Katie Lang is back at headquarters, and unlike you know, it's not infested with bats and mice, but uh, their headquarters, for whatever reason, I don't think they ever explain it, in Eye of the Beholder, Katie Lang's just got all these cats hanging around. Right, right. Uh, and I really, really have a warm warm place in my heart for that movie. Um, so when I say under, I'm really, again, it's, you know, it's pretty close here because I haven't seen that movie in, I don't know, maybe 10 years, but damn, damn, I love Eye of the Beholder so much. Kerry-Wan, and why so many did you... people hate it. Good Lord. Yeah, Carrie one why did you go what at Eye of the Beholder? Oh, I just thought it was a Dungeons and Dragons movie. Good lord. Okay. And I thought that's weird that Dingus put that on the under. The anyway, it's it's more of like a spy, like somebody's in my ear movie, and it doesn't have anything to do with the comic elements. Um, 
So uh, I, I picked that. Uh, and for my over, uh, this does have more comic elements, and it is very spy-y, and that would be Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which is a movie that, you know, it's ridiculous, <laughs> but I love Mr. and Mrs. Smith very, very much. Uh, I think it's, it, you know, it's a Doug Lyman movie that I think works very, very well. It's very silly. Um, uh, and it's, uh, but I think it's along the same lines as as the spy movie we just saw. So I would put Mr. and Mrs. Smith just above spy. Huh. Does that work for you, I'd fuck Melissa McCarthy even if she let herself go. One, two, three, not only you and me, got 180 degrees, and I'm caught in between, counting Hmm. Gary Wont, were there any notable statues in Spy? <laughs> Dude, you know what? I thought it was a hair-brained idea, but there's a lot of listener submissions. I'm just saying. Well, before we do that, really we, get, charts. Yeah, we get first crack at it. So explain the topic. What, what is it? What made you think of it? So And so forth. <laughs> Nothing made me think of it. I picked a topic that we'd already done, which I seem to do every time um i don't know if i have my list of all the topics on on your laptop here so that's that's why god made the internet kelly one the list is on the internet well all right so statues uh i'll be announcing next week's topic so i'll be going first my number three favorite statue (laughs) and i might be using i may or may not be using this statue for every one of my picks (laughs) <laughs> but my number three favorite statue is the Statue of Liberty at the end of Planet of the Apes. Ah! Wait, why did you make a pirate noise, Kelly Wand? Uh, well, because I thought of Planet of the Apes. Oh, is it in? Is it in one of the other ones? I'm just asking. Well, the original Charlton Heston. Is there a planet? Is there right. a Statue of Liberty in the Mark Wahlberg Planet of the Apes? Yeah, that's my number three. Is the Wahlberg one? Oh, do they do that same gag in the Mark Wahlberg movie? No, don't they well, do Lincoln? Yeah, it's Ape Lincoln. Right. What? Oh, that's, but that's not what the point of statue. Statue of Liberty at the end of Planet... Okay, I'm going to have to explain this to you, Jokers, or Kelly Wand. Um, <laughs> the point of the Statue of Liberty in Planet of the Apes is that we find out he's actually on Earth. He's an but astronaut. But he should have known that anyway. Why? He's an astronaut because... who, who gets lost in space, and he, he gets stranded on... And throughout most of the movie, we're thinking this, or at least supposedly we are. I never, I, I never saw Planet of the Apes until after this had been spoiled for me. Um, he's thinking he's on some foreign planet, right? Yeah, and but at the very dumb. end, yeah. at the very end, when he sees the Statue of Liberty sticking up on the beach, he realizes, "Oh no, this is Earth. This is what has become of Earth." Right, but I always thought, yeah, I know, and it's a classic moment. But I always thought it was really—it makes no sense that an astronaut wouldn't know he was on Earth, like just from looking at the constellations and the sun's the exact same thing, and the fucking oxygen contents the same, and the apes all speak English. He's obviously on Earth. It'd be weird if he wasn't on Earth. I, That'd you know, be weird. That's the whole reveal. Stop yeah. it. He's not obviously on Earth. Although, I'm just saying. Kelly Wand is making a case for Charlton Heston being a dumbass. <laughs> I like, I mean, he is set up as kind of an asshole, too. Like, he's super mean to his friends at the beginning of that movie. You know what this makes me think of, though, that I really liked, and I don't think you guys did, is that latest Predator movie where they get dumped on another planet and they gradually yeah. realize, geez, we're not on Earth anymore, guys. Oh, the Adrian Brody one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That takes place like in Oz, actually. He's, he's such a silly... Yeah. Um, but that's, I just that's, don't like Predator. 
That's okay, Kelly Wand. You can still like a Predator movie. You know what, though? Your your choice is dubious because you don't see the whole statue. I should have mentioned that that's That's qualifying. another thing you can't stop. What? Yeah, Kelly Wand, if you, just, want, if you want to lay these stipulations just down, you need to lay these stipulations down when you announce the topic, I'm afraid. That's, like that's just a, a bust. statue shard. Yeah, you cannot. No, actually, do you see? It's just I, a bust. Again, I haven't seen it in so long. How, do you see, like, the head and the torch? Like, how much of the statue do you yeah, see? Yeah, you see the head and the torch poking out of the sand. Okay, and that's when Whatever he goes. Whatever Kelly Wand is saying is you know, Right. Yeah. And that's where the line is, you bl- damn you, you blew it up. Like, doesn't he have something like that? Where you maniacs. You yeah. maniacs, you really did it. You damn really you to hell. Up. Damn you to hell. Go on, Kelly Wand. You maniacs, damn you to hell, you blew it up. Damn you to hell. Wow. You that's damn stinking dirty ape. So, Kelly Wand, you're, you're off book. Wait, the, the apes didn't blow it up. So, you, I already Wait. know you've got the line wrong. So, Kelly Wand, I'm docking you another point from the is this line funny game. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't blow it up. It's right there. He's wrong. <laughs> Even then, he's being dumb. The statue's right. fine. Dingus, you are next. What is your third favorite statue in a movie? All right, my third favorite statue, uh, here's a line from the movie involved. Uh, I couldn't be um, I couldn't be fonder of you if you were my own son, but, well, if you lose a son, it's possible to get another. I'm hoping this is a comedy. It's not, because the next line is, there's only one Maltese Falcon. So this is actually a statuette. Uh, Kelly, are you going to accept that, by the way? Uh, yeah. Okay. Because yeah, you see the whole thing. Okay. Uh, and I, I love this thing. I love the way this works as a MacGuffin. And I love what happens at the end of the movie with the actual statue. Uh, what's a better falcon, the Maltese falcon or the Millennium falcon? Mm. Well, only one can run the Kessel Run in under 12 parsecs. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> Dingus knows lines from Star Wars. What? Remember when he calls it the Falcon? That first one. Like Falcon the Doctor from uh, War Games. Like Falcon and the Snowman. Yeah. Falcon. She's fast enough for you, William Man. <laughs> oh, God. He started. We're never going to get him to stop, Kelly Wand. Quick. Kelly Wand, it's what's your the... third favorite? Um, it's a good it... thing. It... I was going to say, the Millennium Falcon, it's a good thing it's slower, because if Millennium Falcon was faster, they would have gotten Alderaan, and then it would have been blown up right, right after they got there. So it's luckily, awesome that I bring up a John Huston movie, and now we're talking about Star Wars. Says the guy who quoted Star Wars first. Uh, what? John Huston was awesome as Obi-Wan. <laughs> that I would have liked. Of that would have been interesting. <laughs> that you got to see. Who's the old Cassavetes? The one, uh, like the the oldest Cassavetes, like uh, Nick. What's this? Uh... John. Is John Cassavetes the oldest one? Who was in the Howling? Yeah. The old man. Okay, yeah. Who would be better, John Houston or John Cassavetes? Is Obi Wan? Well, which is the one Han Solo flew? That's the John Cassavetes. The Maltese Falcon. You've never heard of the Millennium John Cassavetes? <laughs> I can't believe this is happening right now. Dingus, if you'd rather, we could talk about Treasure of the Sierra Madres. Okay, which Houston is in that? Madres. Plural Madres? Isn't it? I don't know. No! What? It's just one Sierra Madre? Is it, yeah. It's a mountain range. It's the Sierra Madres. The Sierra Madres Mountains. Yeah. There's multiple circumferences. There's infinite circumferences. <laughs> You're always adding plurals to everything. That's your crutch. Crutches. Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Okay, that does sound right. Really the treasures of Matacumbes. Treasure Island. The Rocky Mountain. That right to you. The Rocky. Okay, let's let's all go to the Rocky Mountain. Ha <laughs> uh-huh. ha! Made fun of Tom. Let's go to the Alp. Hey guys, let's go to the Alp. Well, now I'm confused if it's Treasure of the Sierra Madres or Sierra Madre. It's the Sierra Madres. Kelly Wand, you don't. Kelly Wand, you know nothing. 
Uh, all right, Dingus, what's your – oh, my number two. We're just going to skip Kelly's number three. We're going to just skip Kelly's picks. <laughs> okay, Kelly, line up. Sorry. What is your number three favorite statue from a film or motion picture? My number one's good, but my number three is the ape Lincoln because it was the one good thing in that Planet of the Apes. Oh, yeah, so that's what, let's get what? back to that. So the idea then, Mark Wahlberg – like has gone back in time where apes are all of history. Is that the, is that the deal? Like it's it's Abe Lincoln but with an ape face or something? Wait, you're saying he didn't go back in time because they have uh, police cars. Oh no, he went sideways in time. So yeah, actually, yeah, sideways. explain to me. So it's an it's an Abe Lincoln statue, like we know from from wherever the the mall in, in Washington D.C. or whatever, but it's with a monkey face, right? Yeah. So it's an alternate history, or no, what's the been, deal? Isn't no. it been like planted on top of the statue? Oh, like they took down the human head and put an ape on it, Kelly? Wand, isn't that you... what it is, Kelly? Yeah, explain to us, yeah. Kelly, on the Mark Wahlberg. It's the Lincoln it Memorial. Lincoln Memorial, right? Instead of Lincoln's face, it's an ape's. And I yeah, think... but it's been put on his face, right? I mean, I assume you've watched it this week. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me, though. So, Kelly, Wong, what we're asking, is this an alternate history timeline, or is it just apes defacing a statue of Abraham Lincoln? Right. I think it's the first one, but according to Helena Bonham Carter, uh, she's all, yeah, it just means that the Gary Oldman ape got there ahead of him. So, that's what happened. So, that's Helena Bonham Carter's explanation for it. All right. Well, I'm, I'm at this point none the wiser, and Dingus, I suspect, like in the same boat. Because uh, it's... Uh, it, it's like Mark Wahlberg realizes he's about to get the death penalty, and he's failed at everything. So that kind of like made me like the movie more. Hmm. So you're the guy who saw it. Yeah. Okay. The new one doesn't have any statues in it. The new Planet of the Apes movies. There's no twists. No, there will be. There will be. That's true. Yeah, we're not up to that point yet, Kelly. One. The new one is a series of origins stories. See. Yeah. Look, he added an S again. Origins stories. Did you see how he said that, Dingus? There are multiple origins. I mean, it's origins of many different things, like Caesar and Caesars, the other apes. Apes. And, and James. That's that's James Franco. That's exactly. plural. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad we agree. My but second, also... Yes, Kelly. Oh, no, go ahead. Does the Rocky statue in that Rocky video game that I brought to your house that one time why would you bring up the rocky statue would you think that maybe none of us would choose rocky statue all right i'm gonna have to change my number one (laughs) kelly why would you even do that because i'm pretty sure you neither of you would have picked. well i wasn't going to but why would you even do that because i know you guys we might have listeners from philadelphia who picked that kelly one that's a good point wait i'm allowed to preempt them they like that. Mm, no, we got to save it for the runners-up. If you haven't picked it as one of your three-by-threes, you're not supposed to mention it until uh, the runners-up. Yeah. yeah, very good point. All right, my number two, Kelly Wand, mm-hmm. and I haven't gotten to this part of the movie yet, uh, but I know it's in there from the poster. Also the Statue of Liberty from Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. <laughs> Did you say, I haven't gotten there, but I know it's there because it's in the poster? Yes, in the poster for Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins, you see him fighting on the Statue of Liberty. I'm not at that point yet. I'm just at the point now where he's meeting Joel Grey as uh, an old Chinese man. Um, I think you're thinking of North by Northwest, actually. Is it a statue, Kelly Wan, if it's just a, a, a somebody's face on a mountain? Well, according to you, the Statue of Liberty is uh, in Planet of the Apes, uh, even though you see only see his face, and, and everything's plural. 
That's Do you where guys you remember live. Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins? Yeah, he smells like hamburgers, according to the Asian dude. I, I remember it coming out, and I wasn't, well, I wasn't able to go see it. Uh, I was so confused by the title. Why, why it, is that confusing? What, what is confusing about that? Remo the Adventure's Beginning? Perfect. Yeah, the whole thing is like, who's this dude? I don't understand any of this. I don't know any of these people in it. First of all, the dude is Remo Williams. That The title choice. answers it for you right there. <laughs> and the second of all, I don't have a second of all. <laughs> the adventure begins, but it's the adventure it, ended. It was I, I don't know for some reason it lumps with me with Leonard Part Six. I don't know why. <laughs> well, Leonard Part Six is pretending other movies happened. Right. This is is hoping other movies will happen. Right. Right. It didn't, of course, but it's hoping for it. Wait, there's not five other Leonards before that. They are, but they were all drugged. So it was like oh, Star- dingus! Nice. See, that's racist. I thought that was beautiful. That's true. Uh, that's a good point. So yeah, so I, uh, Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins is on Netflix. Uh, I'm only partway through it. I can report back next week if you want to know about how the statue was actually used. Wait, when did you start watching it? Uh, that's thirty years ago. The other night, last night. <laughs> wait, why? What? Oh, wait, I better check. Like, why did you suddenly feel the need to catch up on that one? I, mean, I think we should us... have a Remo Williams report every yeah, week from now on. Keep us... meaning to watch this one. <laughs> well, some of it. Let me actually. I can explain this to Dingus. Some, first of all, some of us like Fred Ward. Okay, so I'll say. I, that. Yeah, I love Fred Ward. Okay, good. Then That's why should... I saw that movie. So his yeah. name, Dingus. Remo Williams: The Adventure Begins opens with him not even being Remo Williams. I don't even think he's Fred Ward, by the way. And he's a cop, and he falls into a trap. You know, an ambush, and. After this ambush is over, he wakes up in the hospital, and he's now Fred Ward, which he wasn't before. Not only that, he has a new name. His name it? was something that's not Remo Williams, but now his name is Remo Williams. And this creepy agency guy comes in and explains, we've given you a new face, you know, the, the guy you were before, we've killed him off, uh, and we've given you a new name. And we thought long and hard about the name. And this is the name you've, you've been given. And while he is saying this, he is looking at the bottom of a bedpan from the hospital. And the bedpan was made by the Williams Bedpan Company in Remo, Arkansas. So it's like a usual suspects kind of moment. And everything I've just told you is 100% true. I got you. So at some point, he's going to get well, in a fight on the Statue of Liberty. And that is my second favorite statue in a movie. Wait, he, they gave him the name before he came in and saw the bedpan, though. No, Remo doesn't see the bedpan. I don't think maybe later in the movie he'll discover that his name comes from a bedpan. But at this point, only the mysterious agency figure who's doing all the exposition for him, he's the guy who looks at the bedpan and says, your name is Remo Williams. Does he explain the Adventure Begins part that stumped Tingus? Maybe later in the movie he will. <laughs> well, what's your favorite uh, Fred Ward movie other than that? Oh, Miami you, you made me want, yeah, Miami Blues is a good one. But yeah, why do I right love Fred Ward so much? Uh, I love Miami Blues, but I think Henry and June might be my favorite. Ew. <laughs> I know. Ew. Fred Ward is a writer? Gross. He's your favorite. Sorry. Uh, I, I should confess, though, for many years, and I, I don't anymore, I've, I've gotten over this, but for many years I confused Fred Ward and Robert Forrester. I got him mixed yeah, up with me Scott too, me too. Yeah, oh. I'm with you. Oh, so that's not just me. I thought that was some weird affliction I had. Why do we do that? I mean, they, they're not that... I mean, they're both like gruff brunettes, but otherwise, why do we confuse them? No, but whenever I think of um, 
uh, whenever I think of Robert Forster, I think of I think of Fred uh, Fred Ward. Yeah. yeah, they should do a buddy Mostly. movie. That would be weird if they were like in a buddy movie because they're very really similar body types. Oh, I would like that, Kelly Wand. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. So, so yes, Kelly Wand. How much of it did you watch? And like uh, about twenty minutes. Huh. I, and I, then you went. Uh, I fell asleep or whatever, but I will watch the rest of it. I mean, I'm I'm on it. Just so you know, I want to get to the the Statue of Liberty part. I don't remember if he fights. Did you get up to his his Asian? No, I'm just now where he goes in to meet, and that's Joel Gray, which is amazing. I didn't realize that was Joel Gray. Uh, wow. But I'm just now getting to where he meets Joel Gray as a Joel tiny Gray. Asian man. Yeah. That's my favorite tea. Although Cup of Joel is my favorite coffee. Kelly Wan, I sentence you to multiple viewings of Cabaret. What the fuck's that? Oh, are you really joking? Because I, I even, I don't Cabaret. like, I don't know Liza Minnelli from A Hole in the Wall. Yeah. I don't know any old movies. But Cabaret is kind of weird and disturbing and amazing. Especially since you live in Germany now. You should totally see Cabaret. Yeah, you seriously should. It always seemed weird to me that Dudley Moore and Liza Minnelli are both dwarfish brunettes with straight hair but they were both in arthur like as romantic liza minnelli is it is the love interest in arthur yeah Jeez, that seems weird he's he he's she's willing he's willing to give up 50 bazillion dollars to stay with her kelly one arthur is no that movie is is fallen from grace because alcoholism really isn't funny drunk people are not funny and as we know from the new russell brand remake you should have an arthur without him being a drunk Seriously. Fred Ward should have been Arthur. They have come some casting. Or Robert Forrester. Either Gruff one of Brunettes. Them. Yeah. Did you see the second one, Arthur on the Rocks? No, but I know the music from it. Interesting. Uh, Dingus, what is your second favorite statue in a movie? All right, here's a quote from it. Uh, Long have I desired to look upon the kings of old, my king. Oh, God, is oh, he doing uh, Henry V again? Dead Poet Society. Oh, Jesus. It's worse. Dingus, I'm disappointed in you. Why? <laughs> is it really Dead Poet? It's, it's not I either. Know, this, is it? No, no. Um, it's, uh, oh, it's, no, no. Um, stop, 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 stop. Stop right there. Is it a Lord of the Rings movie? Oh, yeah. Sweet. I got it. High five, Kelly. What? One. What? Go on, what, Dingus. those big... All right, so uh, long have I desired to look upon the kings of old, my kin. Uh, This is the gates of Argonath, and uh, I love these (laughs) statues so much um, just because of the realization of them in the actual actual movie. Those huge gates, those huge statues there, and then the the way Aragorn looks up at them, and he kind of taps him on the shoulder and says, look, these are these are the these I've looked I've wanted to look upon these gates for so long, and then as the boats go by, they're they're these gigantic feet. Um, I just think that that image for me uh, is one of those things that makes Fellowship of the made Fellowship of the Ring such a such an exciting experience for me. Is that is watching is seeing those huge statues with their hands held forth. They get uh, so it's the gates are enough. So, okay, so Dingus, I want to put you on the spot and ask you questions that I wouldn't be able to answer about Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins because I haven't seen that far into the movie. But, uh, so is the idea that these statues mark the entrance to the human kingdoms or something? 
Do you know? Oh, I have no idea what they. I I, okay. I will not be able to answer any of these questions. I just know that okay. I read these books as as a sixth grader, and then seeing them realized as an adult, and not believing that they that could be possible, that the visualization of this could be possible. So seeing that particular these particular statues, right. those particular the gates of those two dudes holding their hands forth, all the way down to their feet. I mean that those statues are amazing to me. I I have no idea what they represent in the lore of the books because I don't know the lore of the books that well. Okay, well I'm gonna guess, and Kelly Wan, maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong. I'm gonna guess these two statues mark the passage into the human kingdoms, uh, and that they are two of the kings of Numenor back when the humans were like uncorrupted and pure. That's my guess. Kelly Wan, do you know if I'm right? No, I don't know. Right. I don't know what those things signified. But why would there be two then? There's two. Oh. They're, uh, they're brothers. They're, it's a gate. That's yeah, that's right. You can't just what, have one though? statue in a gate. What are you going to walk between its legs? It's not a colossus to try to hide a Kelly wand. It's Was just when I read scissor, the books. Scissor kick you when you come through. Yeah. What's it going to do? I went. Oh, they they floated past some statues. That's cool. Uh, and Davis, so that line is Viggo uh, Mortensen says that. Yeah, he says that. Okay. As he's not going cute. through, and he taps he taps Rhoda on the shoulder and says, "Look, this." You need to see this. I've been longing to see this my whole life, basically. It seems like those books, there was like a battle, and then they'd see a statue, and then a battle, and then a statue. But you know exactly what statues I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I remember from the calendar, the Hildebrandt calendar, like, oh, those are pretty majestic. Like, I had to see them to care about them. But when I read about them, they didn't didn't make the impression. Why can't the Statue of Liberty look that cool? Because, frankly, I think the Statue of Liberty looks a little goofy. It's just like a chick in a dress with this spiked tiara, and she's carrying a book or something. What I don't, what it, you know, give us something like those guys in Lord of the Rings. That would be way cooler in the New York Harbor. Wait, what is the book she's carrying? I've never understood. It's her homework. <laughs> something she's got to read for the Book for of Liberty. <laughs> she's actually carrying the Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> nice, Dingus. I like Dingus's answer. <laughs> Kelly, wonder what's your second favorite statue in a movie? Okay, my number two. This is one I actually hate, but it's. I feel like the three by threes, they can be things you don't like, but they just stick in your head. Does that count? Like, do you. You can do always that? do with the three by three whatever you will. And if the, if the three by three cops have to arrest you for it, they will swing into action. But you can choose whatever you like, <laughs> Kelly Wand. I mean, I just pick the first thing I think of, and I go, well, since I thought of it first, it must be. It must go on the list. Even well, it's your it topic, something... so we, we assume that you put a huge amount of thought into it before right. you. Launching the top. It's just when the word statue, I hear it in RL at any point. This is the first statue I think of, tragically. And it's the one in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, where... Um, yeah, already I'm going to disqualify this. Remember uh, Deadholm Elliot's characters? He's the actor's dead, so on the campus there's like a statue of him, and there's like a car chase through the college, and then Deadholm oh, Elliot's okay. head falls off. I thought off, you were going to pick one of the aliens at the end. Okay. Well, first of all, I, I, I just want you to not say his name Denholm anymore. Denholm? <laughs> sounds like a place it. that elves live. Yeah. Is his name Marcus Brody? He has the same name as... That'll be uh, fine. Little Dupig. It's the same name as... Denim Elliot, come on. Brody. Denim Elliot, Denim Elliot. Actually, I say Denholm, too. Like, why Dingus, you just, it's like a silent Denholm. L, we're supposed to just ignore that he has an L in so his like name? Holmes. Right. No, I always feel bad about uh, pronouncing um, Brandon Gleason's son's name. Brandon, oh, Donhall? Yeah, it's, it's just Donald. You know what, people shouldn't have letters in their name if they don't want to yeah, pronounce really. them. Just get it out <laughs> yeah. of there. 
It's on them. Right. All right, so anyway, anyway, so Kelly Wan, you're talking about the stupid chase scene where Shia LaBeouf bumps into the Denim Elia statue and knocks its head off. That's what you're going to tell us. It's, it's just because favorite statue I, you know, in a movie. It's the last. It's the moment when I realized nothing will ever be good again. This movie. Oh, I see like, what you're saying. Never look forward to something it was like a death I of cinema stupid. for you. It yeah, was like yeah, when John Lennon like, died. Yeah, it was like the. It's the shark jump that no one mentions because it's like nuke the fridge is like that to people was more. Annoying, like oh, that's stupid. Like that actually wasn't stupid. But the that decapitation of the Denholm Elliott statue was a for you. That, that was a watershed moment. Yeah, because also I remember reading that they did. Um, what's the guy Dingus who played uh, his buddy in the first one, and he was the voice of Treebeard and Kimberly. What's that guy's name? John Reese Davies. Yeah, John Reese Davies. John Reese Davies. Also, the like, star Kelly Wand. I know that because he's the star of Chupacabra Terror. <laughs> You're saying that, and, and nowadays I just I keep tripping over John Rice Myers' name. Isn't it Reese Myers? It is now. Well, so it's like they. I remember reading that they they didn't want to use him in it because they wanted to go with a younger. They wanted to go with Shia Like, yeah, we're going to sex up the Indiana Jones mythos. We don't want him. In, we don't want stupid John Reese Myers blundering around. And then when I saw that statue head thing, and I'm like, okay, wait. So you wouldn't use John Reese Myers because you're trying to like shove Shia LaBeouf down her throat, but you you, you put in Den Holm Elliott's bronzed head like as an homage to like, yeah, okay. There's still some respect for the old time old generation Indiana Jones characters. So it's like, not only did you not use the other guy, but you decapitate the one person. See what I'm saying? That's my number two. Check, please. Very nice, Kelly Wand, I guess. I think we all were when I said what I just said. My number one favorite statue in a movie, and I might be misremembering some of this. This one I'm breaking uh, with the rest of my list. This is not the Statue of Liberty. Uh, so Kelly Wand, you can I don't think you're gonna be of any help to me on this one, Dingus. That's unusual. Right. But Kelly Wand, you might be able to help me. <laughs> I didn't get to rewatch this, but in the beginning of Exorcist Three, yes. there is a statue in a church that I think is of the Virgin Mary that's been defaced by this killer that ends up figuring the rest of the movie. And then there's a famous scene shot down a long hallway where a nurse gets murdered. And isn't it like some freaky statue head that they've taken from the defaced statue and that somebody's wearing on a sheet or something? So, Kelly Wan, help me remember this statue from Exorcist 3 that's my favorite statue in a movie. Uh, wait, the nurse getting her head snipped. You're saying that her head is then defaced like the statue? No, that, that long shot down the hallway with the nurse walking in and out of the yeah. room. And then eventually yeah. some freaky thing walks across the hallway and kills the nurse, right? Isn't yeah. that related to the statue that gets defaced early on in the movie? Uh, I don't remember that, actually. Is, it, so, is this yes. based on the book Legion? Yeah. yeah I really, really, like, I really yeah, liked that William book, Peter actually. Blatty actually directed Exorcist 3, right, Kelly Wand? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Actually, yeah, and I love that movie. I yeah. think it's great. It's probably even my favorite Exorcist movie. Well, I'm pretty I sure... I thought the statue that got defaced related to that creepy scene down the hallway. I, 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 sorry, I, I can't say more, but I'm I'm pretty sure I, I remember it being that. It's like I only remember that scene because it kind of like shut all the all the scenes before that out. Because right. and there's like the old lady crawling on the ceiling that Legion the movie ripped off. 
And then yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that Ed Flanders dude gets all this blood drained out of him. Remember that guy? I, uh, I don't remember that guy, but I remember someone getting their blood. You know, maybe I haven't seen this since I was a kid, Kelly Wand. That it's a freaky blind. movie. Yeah. It's got a lot of weird, horrifying imagery in it. Uh, so yes, I will say yes. Okay, thank you. And Dingus, I'm guessing you have not seen Exorcist 3. No, no, I I read the book and it thoroughly creeped me out. I love oh, the dude. idea, the whole the whole idea of the book Legion. Really, Dingus, you have to see that movie. It's real. It's very. I really, really, really I remember really like. I mean, and I picked it up like at at some like library used book sale. But I really loved. I loved reading that book. Kelly, one does all Kinderman. Does Dingus need to see Exorcist 2? No. Only three. If you're going to see any Exorcist movie, it should only be three. Even <laughs> it's going to go in the poster. Yeah. <laughs> Remember those two that came out at the same time? There's like two different versions. There's like the Paul Schrader one and the Rennie Harlan one. The Exorcist oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And Exorcist Dominion. Did you see both of those? And they both have Stellan Skarsgård. Jeez, I may have seen neither of them. <laughs> and they both break the mythos because like... But they're both the same movie, right? That Paul Schrader started shooting and got removed from? Or what's the connection? Yeah. Between them? No, he finished it, and then they went, this isn't scary enough. So then they reshot another one. With Rennie Harlan. With Rennie Harlan. Right. Director and of Cliffhanger. Still in, right. Still in Skarsgård's in both of them as, as Father Marin. And they're both uh, available. Oh, what are they, prequels then? Yeah, they're both prequels oh. that take place. Because remember, Father Marin was like, his first exorcism was like a kid in Africa, according to the first movie. Right. But then in, in both of those exorcist later prequels, like, neither of them, that happens in neither of them. Like, in one of them, the kid winds up being a red herring, and it's someone else's possessed. Isabella Skropko. And both of and these then, are available to be seen? Like, they're both out there? Yeah, like Rumor Williams. They're available. <laughs> Uh, Dingus, what's your favorite statue in a movie? All right, here's a quote from it. I must speak. I must speak with the dolphins now. Hitchhiker's Guide. Free Willy. <laughs> no, you guys will never. Get Good luck, kid. Chuck. Black hat. Black. It's either Jeff. Day of the Dolphins or that cyberpunk movie with Keanu Reeves, where there's a dolphin that he talks to. Tremors. No, and then she starts trying to speak with the dolphins, but she's been drugged. Oh, yeah. So this is Hudson yeah. Hawk. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> no. Didn't see this and coming. My, my favorite statue, and there's a bunch of statues in, in Hudson Hawk because they have to rob an auction house with a bunch of horse statues. But my favorite statue of all time is um, is David Caruso as Kit Kat. He's... Uh, he has disguised himself as a statue in the in the room in the final in the final room where the whole last conflagration is going to take place, and he's a statue guarding. He's guarding, and it, he just looks like a statue in the middle of the room. He's disguised himself as a statue. His role as Kit Kat is to disguise himself as everything throughout the movie, and. In this particular scene, he's disguised himself as this like Roman statue holding a, a this huge spear, and then he is he is told by uh, uh, James Coburn, "You have to guard the Mayflowers no matter what happens." And so he turns his head, and it sounds like stone moving. Like there's there's this whole sound of like, 
and then he goes over and he points the spear at Andy McDowell, and then the Mayflowers go, oh, you're going to guard us with your life, and then they kill him. And then he flips up one of his cards, one of his signature business cards, and, it, and he shows it to Andy McDowell and says, I always liked you. And it's just this great, weird thing that David Crusoe, um, who I'm not really particularly fond of, ex- except that I love what he does in, all throughout this movie, and the statue that he plays in that final scene, where he's this Greek statue, Roman statue, whatever, guarding the chamber, is just perfect for me. So there you go. Let's okay. knock. Gary, when do you accept that answer? Yeah. Okay. Dingus tries the hardest on three by threes. He really cares. Dingus, I don't. Dingus up. isn't the one who started watching Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins this week. Fell asleep twenty minutes in and added an S to it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> where Where did I put an extra S in Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins? At the end. It's not Remo Williams' The Adventure Begin. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, forget what I said. I do like the... You're the, the best at three. The, the, the adventure began. I do like that. All right, well, Kelly Warren, it's down to you. What's the best statue scene in any movie ever made? I can't believe no one picked this. It's the best statue ever. Well, we have you listeners, by the way. Listeners might pick whatever you're going to tell us about. Uh, Han Solo. Oh, oh, all right. Fair enough. That's Jabba's Re- favorite really, statue. Dingus, you're going to let him have a man frozen in carbonite as a statue. That's not what a statue Fuck is. yeah. A statue is a piece of rock that you carve away the bits that don't look like what you want it to look like. Well, someone had to make it. I kind of like this. I didn't even think about it. But the fact that Jabba puts it up in his... In his palace, and he's like, I won't, I won't part with my favorite decoration. Actually, I thought he was talking about its appearance in Tomorrowland. <laughs> Caroline, is that what you meant? <laughs> you sickened me. All right, what do the listeners have for us, Kelly? Warren? It gets blown up, too. In the, yeah. uh, it's funny. In Tomorrowland. I forgot that it was in Tomorrowland, and then it falls on somebody. Ha ha, a robot. Tomorrowland's hard to remember. Did we even see that? Is that out yet? It's even harder to forget. That one guy liked it. One listener was remember that one guy. He's like, "I'm going in, going yeah, all in, bitches." Totally all in. Loved it. He yeah. Fucking loved it. My mom loved it too, but that's different. T.J. Keller writes, "I've tried to come up with some others, but this one made the rest of them look lame by comparison." So my number three, two, and one is from The Little Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> See how this great. is gonna go? That's great. That's Prince. What's his name? The statue of Prince Eric features prominently in the beginning Prince of the movie. Eric. <laughs> Prince Eric. Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah, he gets... Yeah, yeah that, that's fine. It's, it's just, it's, uh, I don't want to have kids, so Little Mermaid's... Now Little Mermaid's such a great movie. I, I, I totally... It's a cartoon. Just t- penis on the coral of the documentary, DVD. actually. I love that documentary. It's an oceanography documentary. Because it, because at one point, like the statue gets altered by uh, uh, getting. Well, anyway, just you, know, you can watch. You can watch Little Mermaid. She's a normal sized mermaid. They reveal it on the ship during the party. Ariel gets it as the centerpiece of her collection, and King Triton destroys in a fit of rage that ignites Ariel's to run to Ursula. Right, just right. The actual statue is nice in its design. It has a nice color and a proud pose. So what would the statue mean symbolically for Ariel and its place in the plot? Made it my number one and only pick. But it's also great the way uh, Prince Eric himself reacts to it. Because he seems like kind of like a... It's a statue of... 
her intended, right? Like her betrothed. Yeah, yeah, but but Eric is not on board for that kind of thing. He's kind of like, oh my god, really, guys? In the original story, doesn't she die horribly or something? Well, like, yeah, Hans Christian Andersen was kind of a weirdo. Yeah. Little Mermaid you with that is a title. Hans Christian Andersen thing? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and it's Disney-fied, and, it, and it, you know, and so the, the the horrible ending is changed, of course. Is Brave I prefer, a Hans Christian Andersen thing? I don't believe so. I hope not. Song of the South was. His, his one was much darker, <laughs> his take on it. Darker. Fred Bow, right? Number three, the poor statue of a woman that odd job decapitates in Goldfinger. <laughs> okay. It certainly it's has woman? its place in cinematic history. Yeah. They just killed a woman in that movie with gold paint, and then right after that. So the gold paint thing is the joke in the poster for Spy, right? Oh, that's what that is? But it's from a movie. Like a, there's a James Bond movie where somebody's painted in gold. Yeah, the the, the gold, it's Goldfinger, and so that's the joke. The, the, and the and the woman died, and so that's the joke in the spy movie, in the spy poster, right? Right, which doesn't occur in the movie, by the way. Spoiler. Right. Oh, there's something good come on this list. I can't wait. Number two, America's greatest statue becomes animated in Ghostbusters Two. Tom, your Statue of Liberty. Remember that? I thought of that as, one. As the Remo Williams adventure begins, one though, I'm pretty sure. Are you eating elf bread? Shut up. You can't tell that I'm eating. <laughs> you, may, you got <laughs> mad at me for eating one. You're eating the elf bread. What's the name and of it? And it's called Rembus, you jerks. Legolas. No, I'm not eating Rembus because it's not a real thing. Just tell me what you're eating. I need to know. I just want to hear it. It's a, an apple turnover that my friend left here last night. That's sweet. But I was muting when I was chewing, but I had to turn on the mic to talk, and so you Took outed me. It's your fault that I got outed for eating. Well, I just remember you got so bad at me. Like, dude, never eat during recording. Don't eat when you're talking. Like you are? Shut up. I'm muting myself. Fred Bow's number one, the monolith in 2001. No, come on. It's not a statue. statue. Although, you know, really, Dingus, I mean, I'm kind of thinking now. It's a Washington Monument, a statue. (laughs) Yeah. It's a piece of statuary, isn't it? It's it's an obelisk. That's... That's like know. saying C-3PO is a statue. No, no it isn't. Not. Yeah, Kelly Wan. It is. Kelly Wan, we'll settle moves. this between ourselves. We don't need your help. Is Mount the Rushmore? Monolith? I'm pretty yeah. sure an obelisk or a stele is a statue. I'm pretty Grand sure. Grand Canyon's a statue. All right. Fine. I mean, Dingus, I'm, I'm with you in that I'm reluctant to give it to someone, but like, because I was thinking of human figures, but yeah, I guess it's you're a piece right. of statuary. Yeah, well, I guess the Dorian right. Kings... It's a sculpture. Many of the difference between a sculpture and a statue. Oh, I guess you might have a point. Huh. Uh, Terry, why? It's a shame uh, you didn't put some thought in it. Well, carbonite, Han Solo's a monolith. It's the same shape. It's a rectangle, but it has Han Solo sticking out of it. Well, mainly you missed out because you're the 2001 apologist on this podcast, so. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought of it as a statue, but just getting to hear about it. Like, it's isn't a statue supposed to be a representation of a person? I'm not sure about this. I think uh, so. Yeah. What's the difference between a sculpture and a statue? Like, I think the sculpture is like the process, you know, sculpting that you get to create a statue. It can also be used in a, an obelisk, I, I think. Yeah. But I think a statue is supposed to be a, a representation of a person. Yeah, I think so, too. 
the Sphinx is a statue, but the pyramid's not a statue. Correct. What was that Kelly called again? Sphinx. The what? The Sphinx-like smile uh, I can okay. hear through the phone. Right. Fifty Shades of Grey. Zhao Fang writes, Hi guys, I'm sad that we'll be getting a Poltergeist opsis since the trailers make that film look hilariously awful. I tried, guys. I tried to get us to see Poltergeist, and Tom was like, No! No, you didn't. You didn't even try. Stop it. I tried a little. Not even. I tried a little. Not I wanted... To, the, only, I the only reason I wanted to see it was for the opsis. So I'm with Zhao Fang on this. But anyway, counting down my three by three, number three, Avengers Age of Ultron. You probably won't remember this, but in the credit sequence, the camera starts swooping around the big fight scene of all the characters fighting Ultron. Then gradually we come to realize what we're seeing, this ridiculous marble monument someone made about the events in the film. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That was, oh, yeah. That's that a great one. A, yeah, it was a high point of the movie in a way because you don't have to watch the movie anymore. And it's like, hey, remember these characters? Here's something somebody made of them. Yeah. yeah, it was also really, it was such like a, a tribute to itself, too. Like, this is the statue of how awesome the movie you just saw was. It isn't, had 50 people in it, 50 cameos. Isn't it the beginning, and you guys, I might be wrong about this, I'm remembering the visuals of it, and I'm certainly remembering the music. Doesn't Animal Kingdom open with some weird statue or base relief or something? Oh, yeah. Of lions? Yeah, 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 that? you're right. You're totally right about that. I'm going there to change is, my, my Remo Williams Adventure Begins pick to Animal Kingdom. Then. But I don't know if it's a statue or a painting. Oh, it might or, just be a painting. Well, I don't know I what it, the difference between that and a bas-relief is. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, but don't, don't, you're totally don't right. Don't show off by, by pronouncing bas-relief correctly. Bas-relief, bas-relief, whatever. Don't but I don't, show off. I'm not showing off. I don't know what it is. No, I think you're right. I think it's a bas-relief. You really say bas-relief like something I have no idea. Oh. No, I'm, I'm just talking oh. off the cuff. But, but – um, what was that? You're I think totally it was right like about a that. base relief, or however you say that word. You might be right. Uh, but I think My it was something like that. My favorite fish is sea bass. I free bass it. But what what was that? that? Tom, you're so bass. right about that. Damn it. Yeah, well, that, that just that, that, that Avengers statue made me think of the animal. Oh, man, that's already. such a better idea. God damn it. Elfbred's a statue. <sighs> that's not so now oh. I'm thinking about all this stuff in... Uh, where do they go? Is it Royal Tenenbaums where they go hide in the museum? So, so do things that where where you get uh, an animal and you taxidermy it? Is that a statue? No, <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely. Hey, Lone Ranger Johnny Depp, the kid thinks he's a statue at first. Everyone saw Lone Ranger. It was on cable. Wow. It was hard to. I didn't watch the whole thing. All right. So it's sort of like me with Remo Williams' Adventure Begins. Yeah. They're actually, they were both intended to be franchises. Apparently. Uh, number two, Fellowship of the Ring. Nice. Xiao Fang's favorite. It's when the Fellowship's going down the river in boats and you see these two gigantic statues. This is literally like what I thought when I saw it. Like, Dingus knows what it's called and stuff. And it was just like, yeah, two gigantic statues on either side of the river with their arms outstretched. The way they were so big, majestic, and yet weathered compared, conjured up an old empire falling towards ruin. What I was shy about was that the, the, the words look like the gates of Argonoth. But the way um, Aragorn actually says it, it is not the way I'm saying it. So I have no idea how it's actually said. Uh, he says like Wargonoth or something. He says. You think he, he's saying it wrong? No, no. I, I'm sure he's saying it right. Um, he would know. But, I guess he's a king. 
Yeah, of course he would. I would get. I Kings would, always know I how to pronounce it. To him, the pronunciation, but but uh, but this is one of the first things I thought of. But and I and I like looked it up and I was like, yeah, I remember that. That's the gates of Argonoth. But then when he says it, he says something that I can't pronounce, like gates of Argonoth or something. Right. It's like uh, when you say Mordor, you're not supposed to just say Mordor. You're supposed to do like a weird truly R kind of thing or something. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So I feel kind of embarrassed to say it. Um, so good for uh, who's the, who's saying this? Who's this? Again? Yeah, who didn't? Who just wrote it down and didn't have to pronounce it? So yeah, yeah he avoided it. Yeah. Although Colin Firth's king and King's speech had trouble pronouncing it too, with marbles in his mouth. That was the best picture that I saw that year, by the way. Number one, animate the gates. <laughs> what? Which we just saw. It. I don't. I don't remember this either. The statue of children playing in Stalingrad, covered in corpses, where Joseph finds oh. his commissar character hides and plays dead. Damn, oh, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Oh, jeez, what's that statue? It's got to be it's a real a statue. statue. Of kids, yeah, it's got to be. It's not called. But isn't there a statue of him kids, too? But, but remember how he finds him there. Yeah. Yeah. At the bottom. Shit, that's good. Damn. This is a real. Actually, Xiao Feng knows. This is a real sta- statue, by the way. The use of it in this moment, where the protagonist metaphorically returned from the dead to finally strike a blow against the Nazis, helps make it the strongest moment of a flawed film. Thanks for reading, Xiao Feng. It didn't hold up, Dingus, is what I thought when I made us watch it. Mostly. No, I, you know, I, I think it, you know, it's a little dumb. confirmed for me how I felt about it, but uh, I was glad to watch it again. But I love that he brings up that statue, or she. Yeah. That's what the really good part of the movie, I thought. Like, it opens good, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Simon Dasmacht writes, this week I will streak past the 3 by 3 police and onto the playing field with three films with characters pretending to be statues. Hey! Stick than statues. Kelly, when can he do that? Well, let's, I, context is everything. Okay. I did like his nope. metaphor, though. If you, if, what's his name? Simon? Yeah, Simon. Simon, does. if you're going to open with an opening like that, you, you made it past the cops. Good work. You're out on the field. The audience of the football game is watching you. Take it away. Wow. Number one, Roger Moore displays his acting talent, pretending to be a statue of Roger Moore in The Man with the Golden Gun. <laughs> uh, I remember that, yes. It's weird that that guy has a statue of Roger Moore in his amusement park ride he uses to practice his gunfighting skills. But um, I guess what happened to the statue is what I always wondered. Number two, a zombie pretends to be a mannequin in a store in Dawn of the Dead. Wait, what? How can a zombie... Pre- yeah, a zombie pretends to be a mannequin. Mannequin equals statue of the fashion world in a store in Dawn of the Dead. When did that... Did that happen? Is he talking about the old one, Dawn of the Dead? I don't know. I'm, I don't. I just recently watched the Zack Snyder one. I don't remember that. But I'm guessing it's something where every now and then... Because zombies are... Traditionally, they're slow... You know, there's no way a zombie's going to catch you unless but they're it's like not a crafty. situation. They're not crafty. They can't sneak up on you. Um, one of the stupidest things George Romero did in Land of the Dead, which I mostly like, is he has all these stupid jump scares where a zombie lurches into frame suddenly, and zombies don't do that. Um, you like Land of the Dead? I kind of do, yeah. Mainly for oh. production value and just some of the world building that it does. I mean, it's really clunky, certain things about it. Um, I'll let like me tell you, Kelly Wand, it's way better than the, the stuff, the crap that George Romero has done since then. Yeah, I know. There's like one called like Island of the Dead and Diary of the Dead. Um, Diary of the Dead Blue. 
But yeah, I'm not sure what Simon is thinking of, but it sounds to me like it's some cheap tactic to, to make a zombie sneak up on someone. I don't remember specifically. Maybe he's just thinking about the shots of when the zombies um, uh, break into the mall and they're just tearing stuff up. Like, is it after the mall has been overrun? Does he describe that's, it more? No, that's a... Okay. But that would be way different from what he's saying, isn't it? I, I like the first 10, 15 minutes of the Zack Snyder one, and then it starts to... When she... After the credits, it starts to go downhill, I think. After the credits? So you mean the yeah. movie is over, the credits have rolled, and then the movie starts to go downhill yeah, once then, the movie yeah, is done? Once you stop yeah. watching it, yeah. I find that true yeah. with most movies, is once I've stopped watching them, they're not as good <laughs> as when I am watching them. Yeah. <laughs> you mean after the opening credits? I'm giving you grief. Damn you, Tom! Uh, there is some good stuff. I mean, you can't say... I agree with you about it goes downhill after the opening. It's a great zombie apocalypse opening. But it's yeah. got a good finale. I really like the stuff with them escaping from the mall and those buses. Wait, Yeah, that part's okay. Yeah. There, is there Dawn and Land? Are there two different so movies here? Uh, so Romero did Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and then Day of the Dead. Uh, and that was sort of the original three movies of a trilogy. Many, many years later, he came back and he did sort of tried to revive his career with Land of the Dead. However, in the interim, uh, Night of the Living Dead was remade as a color movie by Tom Savini. Zack Snyder remade Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, okay. Um, and to this point, to this day, Day of the Dead remains untouched. No one has remade that one. Right, so the one true. that the, the mannequin that is, is in is Land of the Dead? No, no. He's either referring to uh, uh, Dawn of the Dead, the Romero one, or Dawn of the Dead, the Zack Snyder remake. Right, oh, the other one okay. Simon said Dawn of the Dead, right? There is a Day of the Dead remake with Ving Rhames that really sucks. Oh my fun. god, you're right. Oh, it's one of those like sci-fi channel things. It's got yeah. the zombie tiger in it, doesn't it? Okay. Yeah, it sucks. It's I can't terrible. believe I forgot about that. You're right, so it's not untouched. Yeah. Nothing's untouched. And isn't it so which, which one is, is Simon it, is referring to? Yeah, what is Simon talking about? I don't know. He doesn't, he doesn't say what year. But he says Dawn of the Dead, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just bringing up Land of the Dead because that's where they're okay. doing these jump scares with zombies suddenly being all crafty and they sneak up on you and you didn't see they were coming. Oh, okay, okay. A zombie pretends to be a mannequin is what Simon writes, and I, there's no way a zombie would do that. Right. We have to see the footage. Well, but Simon did run past the three by three police, and now he's streaking mm -hmm. on the on the field. We can't, you know. We'll go he also and... said. He goes, three films with characters pretending to be statues. So he's also calling the zombie a character. Did you not see Warm Bodies, Kelly Wand? Ugh. It's a lesser Holt. Remember how good Fury Road was? Oh, my God. Mm. All right, what's Simon's number one pick? Witness. Hang it. I just want to think about Fury Road for <laughs> yeah. a sec. Okay, yeah. Oh, that was so nice. So, yeah, oh so good. Oh, Why can't oh, all summers be like that? That skull statue is cool in Fury Road, huh? How about that statue oh, made with all the the steering wheels that the, that Nux that Nux's friend goes to to get the steering wheel? Like, there's that bill. Is that a statue? No, it's not. Cause yes. It's not a likeness of a living person. It's a monument. The cars are statues. No, they're not. Kelly Wan. Living statues. Okay, that's a good point. Uh, number three, Bagheera. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Wait, I don't Which know what he's saying. Be... Bagheera, what are you saying? Bagheera. Oh, oh, Bagheera, Wrath of God. Spell. The Werner movie. No, from Jungle Book. Oh. Dingus, Dingus knows what Bagheera is. I still can't say what you're saying. Bagheera pretends to be a statue of a cat in the temple scene in the best scene Jungle right. Book. Are you yeah. saying Bagheera? Like beginning with the letter B as in Bagheera's a panther, right? Yeah, yeah. Bagheera the panther okay. pretends to be a statue. It's not a real word. 
Panther? <laughs> Damn you, Tom. Shouldn't it just be called Jungle Movie? P.S. Last week, Akira was accused of not being a film. Simon <laughs> 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 so works for IMDb. Wait... I do I do like it when people comment on things that we said and try to call us out. That was me explaining that it's a cartoon and a cartoon is not a movie. <laughs> well, Simon Dasmacht writes, I saw it at the Leeds International Film Festival, therefore it must be a film. Simon. Sometimes, let me explain to Simon. Simon, sometimes a cartoon will be transferred over to film. That doesn't make it a movie. Mm. Wait, Lego movie. Is that a movie? Lego well, movie? they say movie in the title, so you have to let them get by with it. Yeah. Is Brave a movie? Yeah, because it's, it's really good. Interesting. <laughs> so. There you go, Simon. You can't argue with that. Parameters. Circumference. Plus, plus Brave, by the way, I have to say Brave was on my list of the top ten movies of that year. Ergo, obviously, has it's to be. a movie. Right. I wouldn't put a cartoon on that list. It's like when Nixon said, it's not illegal if the president does it. It's exactly like that, Kelly. Why? Right. Thank you. Paul Weimer there, writes... There were a bunch of statues in Brave, like those totems and whatnot. Oh, like at the the scary place in the woods where she fights the bear at the end? Yeah, isn't there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Or like down in that family vault. Yeah, thing. yeah. Those weren't my favorite statues, though, Dingus. They're not as good as Rima Williams' Adventure Begins. Yeah, statue I agree would, with you. But that is, a, that is a good call. Paul Weimer writes, hi guys, three best statues. I went with a mythic approach. Hmm. Number three, in Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. Starring Alexandra Daddario and her biggest oh. assets, those big blue eyes. Wait, does she show him in that? Doesn't she play, I've never seen it, but just in looking at her, her credits, doesn't she play like Athena or something? She plays like one of the goddesses in one of those movies, I think. I could be wrong. You know, Dingus complained that she should have been a little kid, but... I agree. Yeah, I, I think I disagree with that. I think it's fine to have a chick with a big rack swimming around in earthquake movies. I think Kelly that makes Wand, more sense. I, I, well, okay. <laughs> Go back and listen to our San Andreas podcast for a discussion of that. <laughs> I didn't think about it at the time. But right. Later on, I was thinking about boobs and was going, yeah. In Percy Jackson, The Lightning Thief, all the statues of people, sometimes in horrible poses, scattered around her curio store is a subtle hint to the mythologically aware viewer that Uma Thurman, for all of her being friendly and affable, is not someone you ever want to look in the eye. I like the sound of that scene, but none of us has seen the movie, so I don't know. I guess she's the Medusa. Is that the idea? Uh, I didn't see it either. Hmm. I haven't been much help today. Number two, in the original Clash of the Titans, the head of the large statue of the goddess Thetis, Thetis, Thetis turns to life and scornfully declares to the queen of Tyre that as punishment for daring to compare herself to the gods, she must sacrifice her daughter to the Kraken. What price vanity? You know, going Greek on your statues is kind of... Uh, low-hanging fruit. Because ancient Greece is lousy with statues. I mean, there's going to be nothing about ancient Greece that doesn't have statues in it. That's yeah. not even not even including Medusas. See what I'm saying? Number one, in Jason and the Argonauts, the titular protagonists discover that the big bronze... The mouse on the titular protagonists discover that the big bronze statue on the beach they see actually comes to life to very destructive and dangerous results. Beware the Talos. Talos? Is it Talos or Talos? Yes. 
yeah. Dallas principal. Best regards and thanks as always, Paul Weimer. Paul Weimer going classical as, as usual. Very nice. It's because I think he's British. Oh, so I'm right, for right. like the, the highbrow stuff. Right. Don't tell him that. I won't tell him. Arthur Giovanna Jelly writes, number three, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, part one. Tom, isn't it lonely not having seen the Harry Potters? Like, people talk about them. Should we watch them? I don't know. They always say, they never, I feel like they're never urged on us. They're not for us, Kelly Wand. They're not for us. The Magic is Might statue in the entry hall of the Ministry of Magic depicts a wizard on top of a pillar that's crushing a group of muggles. A stark contrast to the statue of the magical brethren that was there in Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> what the fuck's he talking about? Biggest, do you understand any of that? You're a Potterist, are you? No, I'm not. You know, none of us? Oh, I do know what a, a muggle is. A muggle is one of those little furry creatures that Jar Jar Banks has. Or I'm sorry, that, uh, that Jabba the Hutt has uh, on, on a leash. No, I think yeah. the muggles are all those little... Furry animals on the Star Trek on and the Enterprise are no, like no. Those oh, are so many muggles. No, those are trifle truffles. I mean, those are truffles. Oh, those are truffles. Yeah. Okay. Muggles are those t- uh, teddy bears that sell static cling wipes. Oh, Kelly Wand has it. Yeah, you're right. She's so too. a bunch of those She's get too. crushed by a statue in a Harry Potter Stick movie. Stick a picture up. That's terrible. Uh, yeah, I think so. It crushes a, a group of them. Number two, Ghostbusters, the terror dogs that sit on top of Sigourney Weaver's apartment building. These eventually become more than mere statues and live up to the terror portion of their name. Oh, I like those those dudes. That's that's a, that's a, those are good statues. That that that's a good choice. Did those um, have names? Called that. That's what he's saying. Well, those gargoyle things. I don't know, but they, but unfortunately, they were ruined for me by the Hunger Games. That weird, like, we're going to put oh, faces yeah. on those things. Um, but, yeah, That's I like that idea. Problem. Wait, did they use that in the movies? They didn't do it in the movie. In what movie? Hunger Games. Yeah, don't they put, like, little people's faces on them and they run around? I think that's only in the book. No, there was something like that in the movie. There's there was something like that in the yeah. first movie, and I, and I said that, that this is one of those things that doesn't translate to a movie. It looks too silly. But I, I do like the way that oh, it works yeah. in the Ghostbusters. Those those statues, those statues in Ghostbusters are really uh, uh, that's really cool. That's a really cool choice. Number one, the Gates of Argonath. <laughs> Yay! Popular, most popular choice, Dingus. That means yeah. you won. It's like Family Feud. Mm-hmm. It consists of huge statues of Isildur and Anarion. Oh. I didn't know that. Sorry. Well, Isildur is the guy who uh, fights Sauron and loses the ring, isn't he? Yeah. He claims yeah, it his sword, the sword of Isildur. What? He, he saves the day and then... Wait, Dingus, you're saying the sword is called Isildur? Isn't that... No, aren't those the shards of the sword that yeah. Aragorn uh, has to gather? Aren't those the shards of the sword of Sildur? The sword that was broken. Oh, 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 right. It's not the sword's name. It's the name of the king. Okay. Right, right. But he don't breaks the sword on... Listen, this is awesome for, for people who actually do know Tolkien listening to us. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just blunder about. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's like we know just enough to be annoying to both right, exactly. factions. I'm pretty sure that sword, though, Dingus, is called Sting. Like, that's its name. You're right. Yeah. I think Shut it's up, called Gobsmatcher. <laughs> Gobsnatcher? Dang, that's, that's dirty. Jesus. It's, it's filthy. Always the ones you least suspect saying stuff like that. Runner-up, Borderlands 2. 
Tom, the statuesque quest where the player destroys the Jack statues in Opportunity. Not a movie, but cracks me up no matter how many times I play it. All right, the Giovanna Jelly concludes. I didn't play Borderlands 2, Tom, did you? I did, yes. It's a very good game. A lot of good writing in it. Uh, someone like you who writes for video games, maybe you need to take a look, Kelly Wand. There is no good writing in video games. Well, Borderlands 2 begs to differ. Maybe The Witcher. Borderlands 2. I would go Borderlands with that one 2? instead, yeah. Jaime Cabrera. Which is fine, but yeah, okay, go ahead, Jaime Cabrera. Yeah. You love the Witcher writing, I thought. Uh, the second I, one no, I liked not. a lot. I, didn't, I don't know the first one at all. Yeah. I like the writing in Coldsept. I bet you do. Jaime Cabrera writes, hi, number three, the never-ending story, the Southern Or... This is a, a movie I've never... I feel like I've never seen it. The never-ending story. Like, the title put me off. Like, just tell me the end. I don't want to read a never-ending story. I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> the Southern Oracle consisted of two statues of griffins facing each other. As Atreyu asks, what's to be done to save Fantasia? They begin to crumble under the strain of the nothing. You hear that, Tom? Hmm. That's what happens in that movie. Yeah, speaking of great writing in video games. There's something called a nothing. Number two, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. By the way, do you know who directed that movie? Neverending Story or Robin Hood? <laughs> Neverending Story. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, obviously uh, Ridley Scott. Kevin Reynolds. Oh, I was thinking of the wrong Robin Hood. Uh, Neverending Story is a Wolfgang Peterson movie. Oh, really? Yeah, he does Das Boot, and then he does a little family thing, a little family ditty called Neverending Story. He did Enemy Mine. He did In the Line of Fire. He did... Troy. Um, fuck. <laughs> I win. <laughs> fuck! Didn't he do a Die Hard no, I'm going to say no. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, when walking by a statue of himself, the comical rapist, Sheriff of Nottingham, notices someone has painted on a scar to match the one he received from Robin in an earlier scene. He tries to wipe it off with spit and a rag to no avail. Wait, there's a. It seems weird there's a statue of a sheriff in the castle to me. I bet I, bet I know uh, Joe Arpaio would probably love to hear about that. Ooh. Who's that? He's this doofus who's a sheriff in Arizona who's constantly getting himself in the news uh, by doing stupid things. He's a, he's a, he's a sheriff who's really uh, proud of himself. Is he one of the militia Minutemen guys? Uh, I don't know if he's one of the Minutemen, but he does a lot of... Uh, I think his main claim to fame is this crazy, like, be super harsh on prisoners bullshit. Oh, uh, fucking Arizona, man. But and I also think he probably is on that that anti-immigrant bandwagon, so I'm sure that as well. And I'm sure he'd love to have statues of himself erected throughout Arizona. I get nervous there, because everyone's carrying guns, like like in TGI Fridays. But most of them are just retirees, so you're probably pretty safe. I don't know. That makes me feel less safe. Number one, Ghostbusters 2. The, ghost, the titular Ghostbusters cover the Statue of Liberty in positive slime and then play higher and higher to animate it and get it to take them to the top of the museum they're trying to get into. Man, I wish I could be that specific about my Remo Williams Adventure Begins pick with the Statue of Liberty. Or your Exorcist 3 statue, you're not even sure. I know, even... I know. <laughs> I remember Ghostbusters 2, I was really bummed that the Statue of Liberty didn't fight like the Marshmallow Man. Like it just kind of carries them there. That does seem like a wasted opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't fight stuff with the torch. 
Uh, Runner-up Clash of the Titans. The Kraken's turned into stone statue by the head of Medusa. Couldn't decide whether I like the 1981 version for nostalgia or the 2010 version for the visual appeal since the petrification? Petrification. Putrefaction. If it starts at the head, it slowly makes its way over the whole body. Thanks, all, Jaime. Um, I always thought that was kind of a cool plan, though, to, like, kill a kraken. Like, we'll just kill this thing that's eyes turn it to stone. And hopefully no one else looks at it at the same time. Even though you're, like, flying around <laughs> Pegasus in, in public. Like, it should have just turned everyone there to stone, wouldn't it? I don't know that that whole flying around on Pegasus in public thing is part of the, the canon mythology. I think that might just be part of the, the movie. I guess I the Kraken that, doesn't know about Medusa's rule. Right. Yeah, and I don't. Yeah, I just I don't. We'll have to ask Paul Weimer, but I don't think that's the way it really happened. In the movie, like I don't think the movie was an accurate report. You think Paul Weimer is the arbiter of Clash of the Titans? He would know stuff like that. Yeah. Simon Esders writes, "Hey folks, there's too many great sculptures that aren't in fact statues in movies." That said, number three, Naked Gun. Nobody will be able to convince me that Leslie Nielsen grabbing a statue's junk while shuffling along a small ledge at the side of a very tall building is a comedy gold. I'm, Actually, I'm, it's a, I'm not going to be the one to try. I'm with him on that. He gives it a boner. Remember? It's a statue boner. Didn't know that could happen. Yeah. I was gonna then it gets a, hard, Tom. Hard as a limp, rock. Make you a limptic unicorn. <laughs> Oh my god, I can't believe I laughed at a line from Spy. Wait, is that from Spy? What is that from? That's from Spy. Yeah, yeah. That's like, oh god, I laughed at a line from Spy. Thanks, Tingus. You're so extreme that, you know, maybe that's another dick coming out of your hip. All right, that's two. Right, there's only two funny lines in Spy. Dingus happened to think of both of them. All right, Kelly, one, read another one before uh, Dingus makes me laugh at Spy. Gets the hat trick. Gets the turkey. <laughs> Number two, Big Trouble Little China. Egg Shen defeats Lightning, the last of... Absolutely not! Just kidding. The last of Lopan's generals by dropping one of the Buddhist statues, which seemed to be arbitrarily strewn around Lopan's lair like loose change behind sofa cushions onto his head. Saving the day. Originally, I wanted to pick the skull-shaped entrance to Lopan's inner sanctum, whose mixture of neon lights, escalators, and, well, the whole skull-shaped entrance to an inner sanctum thing encapsulates the movie's immensely charming marriage of the 80s action movie Mundane with the Fantastic pretty perfectly, but alas, apparently it's not a statue if it's not the whole body, so instead I'll go with Buddha's extreme convenience. Man, he th he three-by-three three copped himself. Wow. People, I thought we were the only ones who thought about Big Trouble in China that much, but we're not. No, of course we're not. It's a generational thing, please. Anybody who saw it, it at a certain age, it stuck with them for the rest of their lives. He goes from back to back, John Carpenter, with Escape from New York, no talking, no smoking, follow the orange line. The entrance to a city-sized maximum security and minimum oversight prison being located underneath the Statue of Liberty is not a particularly subtle way to introduce the audience to what kind of a world the film's going to be set in, but subtlety is overrated anyways, especially when it's filled, just like Spy, especially when it's filled with such charming world building as an automated PA voice informing the prisoners of their option to terminate and be cremated on the premises. And I believe, is, he is he talking about what? Statue of Liberty? Yeah, that's where they process Kurt Russell. Yeah. You don't really see it, yeah. do you? Yeah, oh, you totally do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wishing you all the best, Simon. I got a very positive attitude about this, Esders. <laughs> Mark Ritzen writes, Hey guys, I'm probably sending this too late, but here are my three favorite statues. Number three, I'm sure this will be chosen by someone, but I'm choosing the two giant statues at the gates of Argonath. <laughs> to me, they were nice relics of a past age. 
Number two, in Pan's Labyrinth is a statue near the beginning of the movie that's missing its right eye, which Ophelia finds and puts back into the statue. A very large stick insect, which later becomes a fairy, emerges from the mouth of the statue. I just watched this movie for the first time a couple hours ago, so I really wanted to get it into the 3x3. Well, that raises the question, why the hell had Chris Markinson not seen Pan's Labyrinth up to now? What's the matter It's his Remo Williams. I guess so. Tom, you should watch The Sixth Sense, too. It's got a really weird ending. It's got a trippy I've twist. I've seen this. What are you talking about? Oh, I just thought. Okay. <laughs> Number one, it's all in the reflexes. David Lowe Pan learns the hard way not to give Jack Burton two chances to throw a knife. Burton hits the target second time, and after Lowe Pan fails, the left row of golden Buddha statues in the room start to crumble like dominoes, even hitting a gong, which causes the second row of Buddha statues to collapse, making those statues my favorites. If I had to choose my only one, it's the one that hits the gong. Thanks, guys. Chris. That's nice. it. Very nice. All right, runners up, gentlemen. Is uh, that really st- Oh, go ahead. Cloverfield is kind of thing. Cloverfield's not a statue. He's a monster. <laughs> At the end of the fifth Planet of the Apes movie... <laughs> Shut up, Dingus. That's not funny. <laughs> Never laugh at Tom's gibberish. <laughs> what did I tell you about that? At the end of Battle of the Planet of the Apes, there's a crying ape statue at the very end that actually kind of undoes the first Statue of Liberty in the first one. It's like an ape statue that's crying because it's sad that apes and humans are Kelly Wand, what about the reveal in the Wam Kalet Serra movie, uh, Wax Museum? That one's good. Because aren't those statues? What are you talking about? No, the pa- seen it. Paris Hilton? Yeah, well, no, not Wax Museum. What is that called? Oh, House of Wax? House of Wax. Good lord, I'm an idiot. Yeah. Because the reveal uh, that those wax statues, I mean, everybody going into this movie knows what they're going to be, right? Like, isn't that... Yeah. I don't know. Well, is the house a statue? Because the whole house turns out to be made of wax. But then also it. people, right. Well, that now you just spoiled the really good part. All right, Kelly Wand. Well, what? You know what? I'm, what? So at a certain point, you just got to go, look, you had your statute of limitations. That's true. Fair enough. Uh, statute of limitations. Ah, dingus. See, Tom? Why can't you be more like dingus? <laughs> I know. Dingus, do you have runners up? Speaking of yeah, being sure. more like Dingus, yeah, what do you got? Uh, so um, this was this was going to be a stretch for me, but I love uh, that moment where Heimdall is turned into a, an ice statue, basically, in Thor. Uh, Idris Elba is, uh, you know, when, when Loki uh, freezes him, and he basically becomes a statue, and then uh, Loki can move on. His name is Heimdall? Yeah. That sounds like a Jewish name. It sounds like an accountant's name. Yeah, so he's a, no, he's, he's a member of the tribe. Okay. Uh, so I love that moment, and then when, of course, he becomes unstatued, and you see like his eye moving back and forth, and he breaks out of it. But I, I immediately thought of that, like ice, like him being frozen in ice as a statue. Um, and then I kept trying to think of things from Raiders of the Lost Ark that weren't uh, the whatever Kelly talked about from that terrible last movie um uh i was thinking of that little that little guy that the that little hovitos thing but i decided not to use that as little a statue the hovitos that little god of the hovitos that he what? steals in the what do you mean the hovitos the the very first thing that he steals that that oh. that that little gold god because nobody steals. knows that by its name like that's just the thing that alfred molina takes from him it's called hovitos no. No, no, it it will it will. Belloc says 
you know, you could tell them if only you spoke Havitas. I mean, the 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 tribe that he's stealing from are the Havitas. Oh, Kelly Wan, did you know that? I wasn't listening. But uh, but instead, I was thinking mainly of the the statue in uh, Temple of Doom of Kali, that is this huge statue that has those chains going out of its like paws or its hands that that draw up that huge cage oh, where they put people in to drop them in lava or something. Yeah, yeah, right. but it's this just gigantic, uh, weird, horrible, torturous statue thing. Um, so. I can't believe you know what that little gold uh, relic's name is. It's being narrated to the Lost Ark. Well, that's because Dalek says you could tell them if only who spoke Hovitos. Hmm. <laughs> and, and then, and then before that, even I think Alfred Molina says, you know, well, the, the, the you know, the, the poison is, you know, if the Hovitos knew we were here, we'd be dead already. Are those real people? Uh, they are now. Oh, um, and then, of course, I mean, I was thinking of Clash of the Titans and that huge uh, Kraken. I kind of agree with Kelly Wan, though, that going to ancient Greece is kind of, that's like low-hanging fruit. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. But, but when it, we were talking about that, uh, it did make me think of uh, the movie that I really liked of uh, Hercules. Um, oh, yeah, remember, that's right. Who was in that movie? That Boy was Johnson. an Ian McShane movie, dingus. Oh, was it? All right. Oh, I thought it was a uh, Kellen Lutz movie. <laughs> and and when speaking and when, of statues, and when uh, Hercules, when the Rock turns over that gigantic statue, right, right, that's like his I final feat. That. His the final feat of Hercules in that labor. movie is to push that big old labor. Thank you, Kelly One. Is to push that big old statue over on the bad guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I love that. I love the way that that happens. Right. That's his superpowers: pushing shit over, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> causing earthquakes in that one. All right, so are you guys ready for next week's 3x3? Three three? Yeah, are we? This is a bit of a stretch, and it might be a little too broad, but I think the listeners appreciate broad from time to time. Uh, it's a nice change of pace. Um, this is also inspired by, let me credit this guy correctly, there's a comic named Dana Gould who uh, was on a podcast that Dingus and I like called Doug Loves Movies, where it's just a bunch of comics, and they hang out and play a movie trivia game. And Dana Gould had this little bit... Um, which I suspect is like part of his act, uh, where he explains that Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones accomplishes absolutely nothing <laughs> in that movie. He is a complete failure, because if he's trying to keep the Nazis from getting their hands on the, the Ark, he fails. And furthermore, he's, it's, he's beside the point, because once the Ark gets opened up, it defends itself just fine. Uh, and if anything, Indiana Jones kept the Ark from being delivered directly to Hitler by just being a pain in the butt. And if Hitler had opened it, he would have had his face melted, the war would have ended. Uh, so Indiana Jones is a, is a complete failure. Uh, and Gould was saying this to be funny, and it was kind of hilarious, but I got to thinking about it, and I think he's right. Well, yeah. Well, that's what, I think that's, a, that's what's interesting about the movie. Because then they lose the Ark even after that. Like, nothing goes right. Right, right, right. He completely fails at everything. I mean, and I never thought of Indiana Jones but, and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. But he's, an, he's an unnecessary hero, basically. Right, yeah. right, right. And, and you know, there's a part of... Right, exactly. Um, you know, him coming along doesn't change anything. He has no effect whatsoever on yeah. the events. Um, Makes things worse. And furthermore, he does mainly fail. Uh, so, what I want are uh, three notable failures. 
and this is broad. You can do anything you want with it. Um, you can do like a failure that most people don't think of as a failure. You can do an actual failure. Um, but I just love Dana Gould raising this point that had never really occurred to me, uh, that, that Indiana Jones is a huge failure in the first movie. Uh, and I'd like you guys to tell me about other failures in movies. Like, what are some failures in movies that you really like or appreciate or or hate? You know, notable failures is what we'll call this uh, topic. And you can do with it as you will. He fails in all the movies. He failed in Crystal Skull, too. Is that true? Nope. Didn't he save people in Temple of Doom, at least? Yeah, he brings back some the, kids. the Shankara yeah. stones. I mean, yeah. that's, that makes a big difference to the village. That's his one success. That's true. Okay. One village life. So then the rest of the Indiana Jones movies are still eligible for this topic. You know what? We'll take off Indiana Jones off the, the table, I'm afraid. He doesn't get the Holy Grail. Uh, right, but he does defeat the evil Nazi, doesn't he, I guess? Well, yeah. he kills a lot of Nazis and raiders, so if you want to just go like... But okay, he doesn't kill the main ones, that. by the way. The Ark takes care of itself. Like, the Ark does right. the heavy lifting at the end there. Yeah. And him being there makes sure that the Nazis aren't going to get the Grail. It's just going to fall into that pit. Oh, right, uh, right. right. Well, he fucks Karen Allen, so he achieves that. So you're saying that's a failure or that that's a, an achievement? Yeah, but then he well, has to have sex with Allison Duty. So what are you going to do? Dingus, and then that he has to have Nobody's named Allison Duty. That's just mean, Dingus. Then he has a kid with her, and so I guess that's actually another failure. So, but I'm taking those off the table. So, no, uh, listeners, send in your your picks for for notable failures. You don't need. Let me stress this because we had at least one email this week. You do not need to send in three. If you can think of three, that's fine. Um, if you just think of one great one, send it in. If you think of a mediocre one, send it in. We love to read your stuff on the air. Send it to three by three at quarter to three dot com. The number three, the letter X, the number three at Quarter to three, all spelled out with letters.com. We'll read it on the air. Next week, oddly enough, I don't even think of it as Jurassic, uh, as a, what, Jurassic World? Yeah, it's not Jurassic World. To me, it's, it's Chris Pratt week. I don't, I don't care if the movie sucks. I just want to see Chris Pratt in another movie. Um, so we will be seeing Jurassic World. We'll be reading your picks for uh, notable failures. Join us then. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Mislowski. It's Christian Murawski. And we had Kelly Wand. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hello, everybody. My uh, name is Verga Sidjuchka. Me, English, Nick Filstein. Let's speak then. Sieben, sieben, alulu. Sieben, sieben, eins, zwei. Sieben, sieben, alulu. Eins, zwei, drei. Sieben, sieben, alulu. Sieben, sieben, eins, zwei. Sieben, sieben, alulu. Hey, Dingus, let's be spies. Like us. Smell you later, pal. Oh.